Hello and welcome to episode number 95 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli, Brian Capazello, and Justin Ryan. Today we'll be discussing game two reactions, the NBA playoffs, Draymond being suspended. Should the NBA take out the charge? Jalen Hurts' $200 million contract extension, more than Lamar Jackson. And we move now into Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. And what we're talking about before the show is Whoever made this NBA schedule for tonight needs to go into prison. Uh, the 10:30 game for was it? Is it Kings Warriors at 10:30 or is that is that Kings? Suns Clippers or is it both Kings? games at 10:30? No. <laughs> oh no, I mean, not. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Kings, Almost though. Almost. Kings Warriors is it says 10 o'clock start time, but we all know it's like 10 or 15 minutes, so 10:15, and then Suns Clippers 10:30, and we know 10:15 minutes. It's this is. This is ridiculous. And I was watching uh, Inside the NBA, right? And they talked about this because there was a, a 10, I think it was the f- uh, first night of the playoffs and uh, the T-Wolves and Nuggets started at 1030, I believe. And Chuck was like, this is something that, that blows his mind. And I completely agree with him. And I tweeted about it. And I went at Shaq too a little bit too because Shaq was being pretty dismissive and disrespectful. Not as Justin... Me and Justin talked about it a little bit before the show. Shaq was just being completely dis- basically like, oh, screw it, you know, grow up, uh, stay up a little bit, go, uh, or, you know, get get to sleep early, grandma, or what, you know what I mean? I was just like, no, no, no. You're trying to, you want the most viewers possible, right? You want the most viewers. Who on the East Coast is staying up till one o'clock in the morning when they got work the next morning? This is a weekday. This is, and I took. The NFL would never, never. You wouldn't catch the NFL doing that. You want to know why? Because that's why they're on top. That was one of the reasons why they're on top. The NBA continues to take two steps forward and then three steps backwards. So with the scheduling and with the Draymond suspension that we'll get into. Go ahead, Justin. The the thing is, and I get what you mean on the East Coast. Listen, I... As a, as a Yankee fan, when the Yankees travel to the West Coast, all of their games are at 10 p.m. or later. So it's something that I, I guess I've, I've grown accustomed to. It, it, it accommodates the West Coast fan. You have to do that, especially Kings Warriors. Those are two teams out, out there in California. So you have Justin, to. Justin, quick question. Quick question. Were those any of those games playoff games, though? No, they're not playoff games. But then no, that, that that's I, a regular season. I hear you. This is the mm-hmm. playoffs. I, I I haven't looked up the numbers yet, and maybe I will while you guys continue to uh, talk. I want to know what the ratings have been for those late night games, those 10, 10 30 games the past couple of days, because I'd imagine they haven't been very good. And it's like you have the whole day. Like you got Thursday, right? Why not start a game at three thirty? Why is the Sixers Nets game going on at seven thirty? Why not own the day like baseball does, like like football does for Sundays, own the, or, or college football for Saturdays, own the day. Well, you, you know, you're talking about ratings, but if you're starting a game at three thirty on a weekday, when people are just getting out of work, you're, you're complaining well, about well, ratings. You're not right, going to get them there. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this though: How many jobs would you say have a TV in their in in their? Okay. School? But it's because I work at a deal, car dealership. We have a TV. If there's a sports game on or some a sporting event on, it's mm-hmm. on the TV. It's on. See, but uh, not everybody has that luxury. I, I understand not everybody does, but we all do have smartphones now, don't we? Again, it's we live in a technology work. age, and you're not going to sit here and tell me people don't have phones on them twenty four seven, 
and they're not going to, if they have like a five minute reprieve, turn on the game real quick and watch a little bit. Like when you, this is something I've learned from a, um, a wrestling personality, a very smart individual. And he's uh, listening to him. And he always says it's so dumb to, cause he's actually booked a wrestling show and, and ran a wrestling show at a high level. You never want to start a TV show or have a TV show or whatever start at like 10, 1030. Usually week weekends you can get away with weekends you get away with because, you know, UFC does that boxing does that. They all do it Saturday nights. Weekdays you can't because once you hit like 10 o'clock, you start fighting disease. Because people are going to start rubbing their eyes, yawning, getting tired. That's when you're usually getting to bed. For me, I get I have to wake up at 6.30 in the morning and be in by 8. So I can't be staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning, 12.45 a.m. I'm not risking – I'm not just going to take five hours of sleep. That's not happening. I, I like my sleep. I think a lot of people like their sleep. Um, so it's just – for me, I feel there's – you can argue, you know – about the West Coast thing, and I hear you that, but I feel like the alternative is just so much better for everybody. That to me, well, no, I agree with that to accommodate every fan, not just uh, the West yeah, Coast not just fans. one section. Yep. What about you, John? What are you thinking? You've heard players like Luka Doncic stars say noon games on weekdays or on weekends, especially, are way better to get the game going early in the day. That way, the player has the rest of their day after the game to themselves, and when it's in the middle of the day, when they're usually napping right before the game, they may perform better opposed to when the game's at seven or eight o'clock on the West Coast. Uh, you know, God forbid it's the NBA Finals, you know. In the NBA Finals, they're not going to schedule games at 10 o'clock. Why do you think that is? Because, you know, it's the NBA Finals and you're not going to viewers at a time where half of the NBA, half of the NBA's population is going to sleep. Like most kids that are under the age of 14, and that's like a starting to become a, a big population of nba fans they're going to be asleep at 10 30 uh, on the east coast so yeah i think it's pretty stupid so moving forward to more stupid stuff draymond will not be playing tonight in the warriors game three at home versus the canes the best defense oh, sorry the best offense in the league this year without their defensive backbone a lot of people have said when the warriors dynasty ends it will end ugly we thought it may have ended in 2019 but they rewrote the story last year but will tonight decide the fate of the Golden State Warriors dynasty? I, I think it's already been decided. I, I think it's I think it's done, and, and more so because I, I do think this is the last year that we'll see Draymond in a Golden State Warriors uniform. So I think that big piece is already out the window. Mm. I don't think, uh, you know, as much as Draymond impacts the game on the floor the, the great defender that he is uh he can also be a headache for front offices sometimes and i think the writing's been on the wall for quite some time uh the debate on whether or not this guy deserves a long-term deal or not and if so how much do you give him how long do you give him i, I think uh you know seeing the the play over and over again between him and sabonis uh i don't think it was as you know disgusting as some announcers are making it seem it didn't seem crazy bad i'm a big wwe i I used to be a big wwe fan i've seen some leg stomps that wasn't one of them um so i don't think uh draymond really deserved a suspension at all but 
I, I do believe the Warriors are kind of tired of this already. This is obviously not his first offense. Uh, some other things worse than others. But, yeah, I think the Warriors are tired of this. And I think this is the end of a, a very, very great dynasty. And the emergence of potentially uh, a new one. Hopefully the Kings make some noise. Yeah. Let's not put the car. I'm not gonna say dynasty, but you know the the yeah, birth yeah. of a of a of a new contender. I, yeah, I got you. Um, listen, in terms of the suspension, I went pretty hard in the paint. I guess you would say on Twitter. I even got into not not a heated argument. Just uh, me and uh, Romaine had a little back and yes, forth. Yes, more debate. Um, I, I thought the I, I thought the ejection was pretty much uh, utter bullshit. To be honest with you, uh. I thought it was an overreaction in uh, on Sabonis's part, and you throw the the contu- the the sternum contusion at me. Did Sabonis continue in that game? I've checked every medical expert I follow on Twitter, and not one of them talked about his sternal contusion. Yeah. He he's on the injury report for it. Sure, he's playing tonight. I hope everybody he's playing tonight. Okay, and he con- and he continued to play throughout that game. He, he okay. The stomp was. I've warmed up to the ejection a little bit more uh, over the past couple of days where it's like, okay, fine. You wanted to eject him fair. He, that was, it was this, the, the, the jumping part was a little more of the excessive part. I thought the, the initial thing was Sabonis had his leg. And when you're tugging at tugging to get your leg off, like your legs going down, he's letting go. Like the legs gonna, he's, it wasn't a full on stop. And I know Justin said, he, uh, he used to watch WWE. I am a WWE fan, but I also watch mixed martial arts. So I've seen uh, a lot worse stuff. I, Sabonis will be fine. This 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 is uh, – damn it, I forgot. And Jay Williams stole my thing. I was going to – and I forgot to grab a, a, a roll of Cottonelle toilet paper and to show, like, every this is also soft. And it's just – because the suspension, though, I, I – I hate it so much because it's I feel like everybody's forget nobody's talking about what Sabonis did like right Sabonis initiated it right everybody what did he, why did he initiate it though he got hit in the jaw earlier in the game and so when he fell the second time on that play I felt like he was just trying to protect himself grab on to Draymond's leg Obviously, is that a basketball play, John? John is grabbing somebody's ankle on a basketball court a basketball play. No, but is falling down a regular basketball play or trying to Yes, what do you, you mean? Everybody they all fall down. You go for a layup, you can fall down. What do you what? yes, you can fall down. You're probably gonna protect you yourself after you game earlier in the game, no? You right. cannot grab somebody's foot. I agree. I'm just pointing out that I don't think Sabonis was intentionally grabbing onto his leg. Oh Did he intentionally maybe hold on a little bit longer? Yeah, Justin, sure. Justin, do you agree with that at all? Because that's utter bullshit. It, uh, it was that's, clear. That's he a, he held a... on to the leg just a little bit longer. Like, what? Was... All right, let's talk about she, the logistics. She told me, what bit. was he grabbing? What did he expect to grab? He he <laughs> to grab his foot? You mean, if I have your foot and I hold on to it for about two or three seconds, I, I didn't mean to grab. Why are you holding on? If you touch a hot stove, do you continue to leave your hand there or do you pull away instantly? Because, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be doing that. 
I'm sorry, John. You got that 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 you got to miss me with that. That's that's not a good argument to say he he didn't mean to grab his foot or he was trying to protect himself to grab Draymond's foot. No. Uh, to talk about the logistics of it, I think he intentionally held on because okay. look, Draymond Green, he's going to cost the Warriors their dynasty. Uh, in 2016, that I, that I, that I, Roy taps LeBron, gets suspended for Game Six. The Cavaliers blow a three-one lead. 2017, 2018, Kevin Durant's in the mix. You get two of the easiest championships in your life. 2000, 2019, the moment things start to get a little bit tough for Golden State in the middle of a regular season game, I think it's the Clippers. Draymond doesn't pass KD the ball. KD says, give it to me. Draymond calls him a bitch. And then they get into a heated spat. And ultimately, that cost them Kevin Durant. And arguably a championship moving forward with Kevin Durant in the fold. You go to 2022 last year, and even then, in the game one against the Grizzlies in the second round, he's getting suspended for taking Brandon Clark by the jersey and yanking him. Whether or not it was intentional, who cares? This is a series of one misdemeanor, not misdemeanor, but this is a series of one poor decision after another by Draymond. And the whole Antonio Brown run a lap around the gym thing probably escalates it a little bit more and brings more attention to it. I thought it was a lack of composure and a lack of self-awareness by Draymond, a very smart man, because you are the Warriors' lifeline defensively. You are too valuable to to be getting suspended in a game of this magnitude tonight. So now, the same way they lost game six without you in 2016, their dynasty is better. And because of you, you are the reason they're going to lose tonight. So I felt like that was so embarrassing on his part. Whether or not he should have been suspended, I don't think he should have even been ejected. But he put himself in the position to be by making, in the past, one questionable, chaotic decision after another, leading the suspensions. And because of that history he built up, he made himself a target. So I don't feel bad for him, man. This you know, was this was strange. It was very, very strange, I thought, to escalate the situation by, again, doing the Antonio Brown. Uh, I mean, he did it last year as well. And yeah. now the Warriors have to pay the price. I, I forgot to touch on that, just saying, like, I think his actions after the incident were probably worse than what he actually did. Or egregious. Yeah, it looked so much worse. And, I mean, Joe Dumar said it. It, it was mo- more so due to him being a prior offender, which forced their hand out of suspension. And while, yeah, I still don't agree that you suspend the guy. I don't know. I think, you know, it's a playoff game. You got to have a little bit of, you know, a, a, a leash on them a little bit, a longer leash than that. You're bossing the crowd to Adam Silver. Look, if Draymond didn't yeah, start rallying up the crowd, I strongly believe he would not be suspended in tonight's game. But because they don't want another malice in the palace, another incident where fans are getting provoked by the players who are That's trying fair. to get them all riled up, that probably played a role in that process, whether or not Dumars want to acknowledge it. Because that was one of the worst days in NBA history I, 17 I, years ago. That, that That's a fair point. I just want to touch ago. on a couple of things. So. In terms of that, he, he you said he, it, the lack of self-awareness, John, he was fully aware of what he was doing. The, and you said he was a smart man. He, he, that he knows what he's doing. He's lack trying to of rile up the fans to also rile up his team and to make the Kings start having like more pressure on him. He's doing that all to pump his team up more. And it worked a little bit where they were able to keep the game close, but then the Kings were able to uh, uh, start to get uh, get it together towards the end. And also, uh, the the thing in terms of the repeat offender, man, I understand they're so, like, visible and, like, you just remember them because they're in, you know, playoff games. But 
So Draymond had the one incident in 2016, right? With um with um um LeBron. And then I guess Steven Adams too, right? Before that. And then he went about six years without a very, you know, insane incident, if you guys can think of one that, that happened. And then he had one last year with Brandon Clark, right? I feel like the repeat. I I hear what you're saying with the repeat offender, but I don't know. It, you got to take into like Justin said. You got to take into context the situation we're in. We're in a playoff game. Like for me, if I'm in Joe Dumars' position, for me to suspend a guy in the playoffs. And not, and you have to think about this too. It's not just any guy. And don't think they're not thinking about this. This is Draymond Green. This is somebody who was integral, not was, is integral to the Warriors dynasty and to what they're doing today. Correct. That is taken into consideration. So if I'm Joe Dumars, I'm taking all this playoff game. They're down 2-0 now. They're going to Golden State. This is a do or die game. You lose this, it's done. You're not coming back 3-0. You yep. have, if with all that into consideration, you have to do something so egregious, like well back in you have, Draymond has to do what he did to Jordan Poole on a basketball court for basically me to suspend him for a game in the playoffs. That what he did a couple nights ago is not warrant for a suspension for me in the playoffs. That was an L move, an L move at best, and, and uh, you move on. So I, I completely disagree with that. Yeah, you're talking you know about. Oh, my bad. You, you know what sucks about the NBA is that they want villains in the league, but they want to have complete control over them. They they want it all on their own terms, and that kind of drives me nuts. They just want the home team to be the hero and the away team to be the villains. They don't want no specific crazy storylines. You can't control what Draymond does, what the Dylan Brookses do. do. You, you need that, what Pat Bev does. We need those villains. And, you know, I guess I mentioned the WWE today, so I'll do it again. Uh, nobody does a better job of putting out villains and letting them roll than the WWE. What, what, but they have complete control over it. So that's why it goes their way. The NBA doesn't have complete control, but they try to. So with suspensions like that, it only hurts the game. It only hurts the entertainment value. We want to see Draymond on the floor and his, you know, what he does that makes a, a, an away crowd get so angry with him you know i i need him on the floor well I, said nba needs him on the floor so this is a big l for the nba because that's one of the biggest stars in the league he may not drop 30 points a game no but his personality is box office for everybody to tune in so big l the warriors has zero championships without Draymond. but yeah i want to i want to put so touch on this real quick and then maybe we can talk about the game tonight kings warriors is how do I want to phrase this? Is this going to be the last time we see Draymond Green in a Warriors uniform? Is Draymond Green done, or the what? Are the Golden State Warriors done with Draymond Green? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Given Draymond Green is. 32 years old, just turned 33 in March, giving him a four-year contract when he might be the one that puts an end to the dynasty right here, an absolutely dagger in game three. Uh, 
it was very irresponsible what he did. Um, getting suspended, maybe the most crucial game of their season. I didn't think it was deserving, but he, again, put himself in this position. And this is a repeated offense. Look, man, the value that he brings may age better than most players as an enforcer. But then again, getting paid $25 million when this might end in five games versus the Kings. Yeah, I, I think this, if he wants a four-year maxed extension, this is the end of Draymond Green and Golden State. So I, yeah, Justin, did you have thoughts on that? No, I have him out. I said it. Yeah. I think to to begin begin my points. Uh, when we first opened the show, I think he's done. I, I think uh, it's been the writing's been on the wall for quite a while now. I think he's not worth the the headache and the big contract that they'd have to give him. Let some other team take a flyer on him. One of these teams, like a like a Sacramento Kings, like a Portland, a Dallas Mavericks, or a, yeah, a Portland to to get that defensive anchor. anchor. So and he he's out in 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 Golden State. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you the major point you hit on Justin is is uh, tolerance over production, right? You hear that all the time. When when your when your production is all the way up here, the tolerance is going to be exactly where it is. But once that production starts coming down. That tolerance starts coming down too. To be clear, though, Draymond's value has never been in production. Well, produ- n- not in the way I effect. It has been on production because it, it produced on the floor. But I know what you mean. Not in the box score exactly. It's all pro semantics. Yeah. Yes, he 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 is somebody who you don't have to look at a box score to really understand his impact on the game. It's it's much more than that. And I, I completely agree and one hundred percent understand that point. Uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, like he has become basically a shooting wise and scoring wise a complete liability like back in 2016 2017 he was actually he, he can make a wide open shot now it's just it's it's not good so 39 percent shooting and, and, and like you said 2016 it's very arguable he cost them an nba championship and right now he has possibly cost them uh, i wouldn't say an nba championship but a, a definite real run an nba championship possibly so i mean uh and that leads us right into uh Game three of Golden State. So, in man, Golden State. In Golden State, it may not matter. Uh, Draymond this year has been a defensive player of the year for his team. Uh, there's not a more valuable defender. And Kevon Looney, look, he's a phenomenal rebounder. Crucial last year in their run. Durable. He's been durable this year. But Kevon Looney, one area that he struggles in is guarding pick and roll. The Kings this year were a very low pick and roll team. And they're actually one of the three lowest teams in pick and roll. But what they started to do, started to attack him more and more, putting him in two-on-ones against very skilled guards, Malik Monk, who had another 20-point game after 30-something in game one. And De'Aaron Fox, there's really nobody that can guard him at the point of attack. Wiggins, and he wasn't making shots. And then you've got Gary Payton Jr. Look, you're not going to stop De'Aaron Fox. But for this Warriors team, you have to at least slow down everybody else if that's the case. DeMontis Sabonis on the class hasn't been the only one attacking. It's been Harrison Barnes and some of their other wing players. But to be honest with you guys, the difference in the series has been the non-Steph Curry minutes. I know the Kings offense has got it done in the transition game, and they're not even shooting well. They're playing far from their best basketball themselves. But Jordan Poole is not 100% in this series with an ankle injury. And you can tell defensively, he's always been a a cone to some extent. But he's just been a total liability getting off the dribble one-on-one. And so for a Warriors team that is so reliant on those two guards to create offense, when Steph's not playing his best ball, 
and Jordan Poole struggling off the bench, you're looking at this offense and saying, all right, where is these drives and kicks, this dribble penetration coming from? And I think all of the force is on Steph Curry in this game. You know, Steph Curry is, to me, the second best player in the world behind Giannis Ntegumpa. I mean, the finals run he had last year was one of the greatest I've seen in the finals itself. In the NBA finals, he dismantled a Celtics defense that was the best in the league. So now we have to see him without Draymond Green, who makes him such an off-ball threat because he can run the point himself as the center. Can Steph Curry have his best performance of this postseason? Hell, one of his best playoff games of all time to get them to a game four. Because if they win tonight, anything's on the table. About last 10 years, 10%, 12% of teams that go down 0-2 win the series. So history is not on their side in that battle. But hell, if they tie this thing up at two apiece, then it just comes down to take a one game in Sacramento. And the likelihood of that is actually somewhat favorable if you get Draymond Green back for game four. But if you lose this, you're not paying this Kings team four times. Yeah. Um, and like you said, at home, the Golden State, third best team at home in the entire NBA. And the Kings are the best road team in the Western Conference. <sighs> Game three, man. This is going to be interesting. So there's a stat for you uh, for the uh, game two's fourth quarter, right? With Draymond and without Draymond. Uh, before Draymond's eje- ejection, the Kings in the fourth quarter were three for eight with eight points. After Draymond's ejection, the Kings were 10 for 15. Oh. Three points. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be a little tough now. Now, I do there is something to be said though, especially in the NBA, the home court advantage. That really does play a factor. Mm-hmm. And we know Golden State, like we we've all been praising Sacramento's crowd and how loud and energetic they get. We all know about Golden State, right? They are the when those three pointers start a falling, that crowd starts a cheering. And it, it, it it's it's you know deafening in there. I, God, when I'm thinking about this game, I'm like, the Warriors have a very good chance of winning this game. I I don't think you can just say that they're going to just roll over and take it, right? I I do believe that they are going to give them everything they got. I I could definitely see a Steph and a Splash Brothers uh, um, um, reunion. What happened? Reunion. No, not a what do you mean reunion? No, it uh um a classic, a classic game by the uh uh, uh the Splash Brothers. So I, I'm I'm gonna say this because I said listen, if they go down 2-0, I said this uh, uh last time me and John talked, if they go down 2-0, uh I do I can definitely see Golden State winning this in seven. Uh that was before the Draymond suspension. But you know what, damn it, I'm 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 stamping. I, I think the Golden State Warriors are not going to roll over. I, I respect them too much, and I think that they're going to come out and they're going to win Game Three at home because I do I do believe that they're they're what they've been doing is a very good concept. I just think the Kings have been taking advantage of it. Not not taking it. They've just been. It's been more of a. That, that old saying, you know, oh, that's great defense, but that's just better offense. I mean, De'Aaron's just making his shots. He's making very difficult shots. Uh, so I, I think the Warriors come out. I think their defense 
plays a little bit better. I think those shots start not falling as much for De'Aaron and, uh, and uh, Malik Monk and other players. And I think the shots do stop start falling for uh, the Golden State Warriors in game three. So I got Golden State taking game three. I think what sucks so much about this whole Draymond situation is that it takes away just how good – it takes away from the fact of how good Sacramento's actually playing against them. And a team that, one, breaks a 16-year playoff drought, walks in there going up against a dynasty in Golden State, the defending champs, and not once have they backed down. Um, you know what? Out of respect for the Warriors, first home game now coming back to the playoffs, I'll take them in game three. But I think that's all they get. I think Sacramento takes this in five now. Look, I got news for you, buddy, Brian. The Kings shooting 30% from this series. Those shots are going to start going in now. Uh, this Kings defense has played very aggressive. From they... three, from three. Yeah. Well, yeah, not from the from, from two-point range and mid-range. They've been doing very well. Yeah, that's that, they I mean. always do well. I, I, yeah, I, think, no. I think, honestly, part of Jeremy not being there is to have less turnovers. And turnovers got the Kings going in transition. But let me tell you something. This Kings offense has a completely different gear to it that the, the Warriors are just not ready for it. They don't have their anchor. Uh, Gary Payton, you know, he's been really good coming off his injury, but that is not going to carry that defense as a backbone. You know, he's kind of the second piece as the perimeter player, guarding and switching. He can do a, a, as good of a job on Jaren as you could probably ask for. But look, man, the key for the Warriors is kind of just hoping Steph has a masterclass performance and he gets all the way to the rim. Because Demontis Sabonis is a good switch defender, but he might be the worst rim protector in the league. So if Steph's getting all the way downhill and attacking him off the dribble and he's getting by, he's getting that separation, now you're opening up the offense. And they had 20 turnovers in Game 2. Look, the Warriors are always going to be a turnover-heavy team. The difference with Sacramento is that they don't turn over the ball that much. Like, they take very good care of the ball, and they're not throwing it all over the gym. Without Draymond in the fold, they're not going to be stable enough to have 15-plus turnovers in this game. And also keep in mind, Steph is going to have to play exclusively on the ball. Like, Jordan Poole has done nothing in the series. He's shooting 29% from the field. This is Trey Young-type numbers from him. And so, if you don't have Draymond, and Jordan Poole is on one leg, he's a shell of himself. Who's going to take it out of Steph's hands? You know, Dante DiVincenzo, who can't really be on the floor because he can't guard De'Aaron Fox. I really don't know how they win this game if Steph doesn't drop 45 points. And 45, yes, to be frank, because Clay Thompson's been playing really well. He's been showing the lights out. Uh, they haven't been getting going the second and third quarter as much as I would like because he's, he's been literally fire. 5 and 10 last game from deep, but man, I'm... I'm pretty skeptical they won this one, to be honest with you guys, because Draymond is that valuable to this team. All, you think... know, Steph, Steph is best off the ball, right? He can do it on the ball, but he is best working off of it. And because they don't have a backup point guard that's just non-existent right there, you're going to have to lean more on that duo of Dre and Steph. So. Yeah, no. Um, uh, listen, I, I, your your points are completely valid. I, I'm When I'm making my prediction, I'm, I'm taking everything into consideration, so I know exactly you know what you're talking about. Listen, I'm not... Uh, negating Draymond's impact on the court. I just think that the Warriors know what they have to do. They, they have the, the urgency is there. Like they know if they do not win this game, this series is over basically. So they, and they know if they win this game, Draymond's coming back for game four and it's still in golden state. And now you might have the momentum. So all that's all, the the basically what I'm saying is the chips are being pushed to the middle of the table, guys. 
and you have to choose who you're betting on. And I'm gonna bet on with a bet on that kid with that thirty on his chest. All right, and the other one with the number eleven. You know what, Brendan? I might be bad. I, I really do. I, I just I don't see them rolling over and taking it tonight. They're gonna I, I teach them be. young boys a lesson. You gonna learn be. today. I Let's might go. be. I might be taking the coach of the year. What's the respect in his name, Mike Brown? Because no one knows this Warriors team better. Nobody has a clue. Like that's the thing coming this year. That's that's true. I didn't think they had the personnel defensively. What they've done is guarded the Warriors aggressively, and the turnovers that the Warriors had in Game Two got the kids going transition. So so you would bring up a great point. You think those calls that Sacramento's been getting away with a lot in the first two games are they're going to get away with tonight? You talk about like the offensive stuff and Domas maybe using. So elbows the Warriors are playing about really like holding Steph off ball, off ball that stuff I, never gets called. You know, I, one of my buddies FLB texted me. He goes, after the last eight years, watching Warriors fans bitch and moan as the sun uh-uh. sets on this dynasty is hilarious. I mean, they, the complaints about what being tough as Steph off ball. No, uh, what I'm happened not, to Kevin Durant last year wait, in the playoffs? Wait, wait, wait. All right. You know, first off, it, it's. It, it, I don't think any, but uh, maybe Warriors fans are. I, I don't know any Warriors fans personally, so I can't speak to that. Um, I, I, I want to say I love physical basketball. This is why I love the playoffs, uh, NBA playoffs. The physical basketball is the best basketball in my opinion. And I love that they're getting. I'm just getting away with stuff. I'm just right. saying, you really think that they're going to get away with what they've been getting away with the per- first two games, especially considering the circumstance. No Draymond. Yeah. They're going to get a majority of the calls mostly tonight. Yeah. I, I firmly do believe that. And you know how money Steph and Clay are from the free throw line. But yeah, keep in mind though, they're not two guys to get to the foul line much. So they're gonna have to Steph can if he's dri- if he's driving. Well, yo, if you're in the drive bonus, you mean, if you're in the bonus, John, you'll have right. to get a shooting foul. <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're right. So uh, that's all I'm saying. It can it, it can really look like that. I just do believe they're gonna get a majority of the calls and and I, I Let's go, man. And listen, this, the 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 Sabonis play too, and 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 then the ejection and the and the and the suspension and all that, and Sabonis not getting ejected, Sabonis not getting suspended, just being completely like, oh, I didn't do anything. My hands are, are completely clean. Uh, I it's kind of turned me off a lot for these Kings, and I'm I'm kind of now honestly, I'm rooting for the Golden State Warriors to win. I want the Warriors to win this series and take the Kings out. I mean. John, how many teams have came back from 3-0 in NBA history? Zero, zero, right? Not one. Yeah. Yeah. So every single game from here on out right now is a must win for the Golden State Warriors. You lose this one tonight, this dynasty is over. Unless Andrew Wiggins has something to say. No, I think Wiggins, who's uh, 3 of 16 from deep in this series, is going to ride his redemption and show who the better win is uh, opposite of Harrison Barnes. Now, I guess now we've talked about the Warriors, I, I want to touch on the Kings for a, a brief moment here, at least because a brief moment is, is an understatement to the Kings season. They've won nearly 50 games. I think many people forget, in the regular season, the Kings threw out their second-to-last game by sitting Gilmas and Fox because they wanted the Warriors in the first round. And people are like, well, that's a head-scratching move. Why would you want the Warriors, the defending champs? You have no playoff experience, Paul. It turns out that they can actually play with the Warriors. And I think offensively, what we said earlier on after game one is, you know, De'Aaron Fox can control the game in a way as a score, so a few guards can. But 
Harrison Barnes, I mean, he had himself a huge game, and I think what they have in the wing, Keegan Murray's kind of getting the, uh, comes in, starts for eight minutes, and goes to the bench treatment every half. Mm-hmm. What they have, though, and Harrison Barnes, Malik Monk off the bench, and then Kevin Herter when he is hot, that trio of guys that they've acquired and added in, you know, they haven't tasted playoff basketball in a long time. Monk never. Barnes hasn't played in seven years. Herter, he, keep in mind, Herter in Game 7 got this, the Hawks to the uh, the conference finals. It wasn't Trey Young. Trey Young shot 5-23 in Game 7 of 2021. Kevin Herter has a little bit of playoff experience to his name, and he hasn't been playing particularly up to his standard as a shooter in this series because the Warriors have been very aggressive with him. But it's not just that De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis need to be put in the right basketball situation to do what they're doing now. It was a matter of putting around them the right role players that have playoff experience, but were a little bit starved of the opportunity to then contribute on a team that aligns all the role players' best strengths with what their best stars do so well. You add in shooting off of De'Aaron, and it makes defending this Kings offense basically impossible because of how much they get out in transition and don't turn over the ball and get to the foul line. So they really are a true contender in the Western Conference. I don't know if any team has enough continuity and good health to be a reliable, true shoe-in for the NBA Finals in either conference. But right now, the Kings are probably the healthiest team. Davion Mitchell's coming off the bench. Talk about him. No one's defending Steph better, honestly. But there's another element to going to the Finals, and it's having the star power that fits together with the supporting cast. And you also have the coach of the year who's been to the finals before. So I don't think anything's off the table for this Kings team. They were a top four seed for a reason. They're healthy. But now it's extended to the playoffs and their game, their offense, because they don't have a weakness. They get to the rim. They're dynamic. They don't rely on threes, but they're elite at the three-point line. They also have the closer, the best player in the clutch this year. I just think we were overlooking these Canes, and it's it's really a disservice to myself. I was shitting on them. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had them making the playoffs. I then backed out last minute, and when they started to play really well as a top four season, they're not going anywhere in the postseason because they don't have a top 10 player. And I think last year I should have learned my lesson with the Nets, who had a top 10 player, but they didn't have the coach or the cohesion of that cast. But this Canes team showing why that matters so much taught me a lesson they, they taught me a valuable valuable lesson it's to consider the possibility of a team translating an elite offense to the playoffs you, you know the west has been wide open since the very beginning of the season i i don't see no reason why the kings can't make a superior run to make a play for an nba finals i i really can't see why they can't hey, you're going up you know you you, you talk about playoff experience they're getting all the playoff experiences they need right now going up against the defending champs. If you need anything to boost your confidence going into the next round, you knock these guys off, all things are on the table there. You're not afraid of anybody in front of you. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm loving what's going on in Sacramento. I'm not going to say they're going to make the NBA Finals or anything, but I'll book them for the next round. And honestly, I could see them getting to the conference finals. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You, you predicted that, Justin. You predicted that. Mm-hmm. On the show, you're saying, you're saying they one month ago. There's, there's no, yeah. one, there's no one out there to fear more than Golden State. I, get, I I know you're gonna drop the Lakers on me, but but honestly, I've said it before, and I think the last time I said it when I was on the show, 
was the Lakers are way too inconsistent for me. And mm-hmm. they showed that. They had an opportunity whoa, 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 whoa. Ran out in game two. They had an opportunity to take him out and go up 2-0 right back to L.A. Completely healthy, you know what Justin. they did? Anthony Davis did not show up. That Ooh. guy got blocked by a bench uh, shooting. Oh, 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 respect John Conchar. Uh, don't don't you respect the Conch. If somebody's going up, no. if it's AD versus him, who are you taking? He him I'm off taking guard. John Conchar. No, yeah, okay. He caught him off guard. He caught him off guard. No, man. That, that respect was the a conch. statement play that I feel like the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> are so gritty. And the LA Lakers are too inconsistent. I'll get, I, I love LeBron. coaching. I'll be the first person to tell you that I've argued he is my goat. I've ever watched in my entire life. Depth. I just feel like his support is you. way too inconsistent. Let me talk to you. All right. I'm rooting for him. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. First off, you know how I say a lot, you know, game ones are, you know, the biggest toss up, right? Mm hmm. Well, game twos have a narrative too, only on a certain uh, condition. If the home team loses game one, for me, game twos are going to be the hardest game you're going to have to play for the uh, uh, opponent, the away team. Because now that game, that, that, that home team has to basically win game two. They are looking at it as like a must-win game. So they're going to try and out hustle you they're going to out effort you they're going to out energize you and what the grizzly the grizzlies only path to victory last night right against the lakers was what i just said out hustle them out effort them and that's what they did they also outsmarted anthony davis missing two of their key rotational bigs they threw a lot of pressure a lot of double teams and even some triples disguising rotations and off-ball coverages, knowing Anthony Davis, a, a capable passer, struggles to read defenses that are shifting in motion and trying to throw him off when he's pa- trying to pass out the post, trying to create for a teammate. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Brandon, I think we also saw this Lakers supporting cast is unreliable. Mm-hmm. Like somebody tried to tell you, D'Angelo Russell is one of the worst players historically of all time. He just tied to Marge Rosen for the longest streak to open a career of shooting sub-50% in your playoff resume. I mean, the guy is one of the worst, least valuable starters to have in the playoffs. Because defensively, he's a train wreck. He'll get attacked. He'll fall asleep on a rotation. He'll die in a ball screen. He is thin. He struggles to rebound. But he's also a shooting guard that shoots 35% for his career in the playoffs. 35%, that's that's Trey Young numbers. Mm -hmm. So... I just I don't think you rely on this Lakers core the way you can other contenders like the Kings who have so much more continuity, much more reliable health when you just say the name Anthony Davis, and a clearly more proven head coach. And Darvin Ham still has really no idea what this second unit's identity is, is gonna be. It's oh, what? the, the, the wheel trying to see what you're gonna get. I'd say Rui Hachimura balling out. So Fred, Memphis, I don't think you can Memphis look at this is... Lakers cast and be like, oh, yeah, they're they're a reliable starting core, reliable st- supporting cast for LeBron and Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. So you're, you 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 expect Memphis to win a five? No. Five games is ludicrous. They don't have John Morant, dude. Come on. 
Oh, well, that, that's the way you're talking. How you're talking is that the Lakers got no shot and Memphis is just going to run all over them. Yeah, on this podcast, you guys are telling me, you know, D'Angelo Russell playing off LeBron will be better in the playoffs, and I just want to make that. Not just have a good game one. Bro, you're old. Not just have a good game one. A good game for his standards is shooting 40% yeah, from the field. I don't care. Did he have a good game one? He had his best playoff game of his career, and it was an average playoff game to his He had a good game. He had a good game one. Now he had a bad game, okay? So, I mean. He was, like, for the fourth time in his career getting benched (laughs) in the playoffs. Like, it was was 2 of 12 and historically terrible defense. He was bad. He wasn't good. I'm not. Nobody's debating he was good last night. Yeah. Who's debating he was good? Nobody. But he had a good game one, and now he's going to be able to try and rebound tonight. I, I don't like he's so are you saying D'Angelo Russell is not capable of making open shots? Uh, he is. He's not a reliable player. All right. Well, the then it's up to him to the try. Playoffs, and like you ball. said, are more physical and he's just not a player. That yeah, gets that's the fair. Rim, that's right. Fair. So he's going to rely on that shot making, which is probably a losing error. Right. Because D'Lo's well, we're going to one of the least him. consistent shot makers in the league. So I just that's, a, that's ludicrous. That that is a ludicrous statement. He's the one of the least consistent shot maker. That that's You're ludicrous. Seeing it right now, He's the worst players in the entire NBA. So He's in the I'm playoffs. So among scores. the playoffs, among the playoffs, I'm on volume scores. He's one of the least reliable shot makers. Yeah, and what? He's always been volatile in the playoffs. Right now, I want to reiterate, Brent. This is his third playoff series, and he is shooting 35 percent for his career in the postseason. You okay. realize 35% from the field. That. I understand that. The first one was very early in his career. Then no was excuses. Like, that was his fourth year in the league. What are you talking about? Is D'Angelo Russell a number one? Is he number three? I don't know. I think he can be. Yeah, he's he's not a number three. He's a bench guard. That's what he is. He's a bench okay. player. Okay. Then maybe Darvin Ham needs to start Dennis Schroeder over him. No, that's not an option either, because just like D'Lo, he's not a playoff guy. He shot so 0-3, and he played poorly. Either, either way, I think you're playing. Their point guard is Austin Reeves, and he's in his first playoff series. All right, well, uh, no, okay, Austin Reeves is proving right now that he is performing at a better level than D'Angelo Russell. Nobody, I, 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 like, I like Austin. Okay, yeah, nobody's arguing that. But D'Angelo Russell is going to have to play, and I and I, I understand your – I don't – I don't understand the vitriol. I, I understand the numbers you're throwing out to me, and I'm not debating those numbers. But to to argue like he's not capable of being better, I think is a little ludicrous of a statement. Well, he can't like, be he, worse. I agree. He's a capable. I agree. He's a starting point guard in the NBA. He he's is. more than capable. He's more that, than that's capable. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm – I'm not arguing no. – that's what I'm saying. I think you think I'm arguing against your stats. I'm not. I, I'm hearing your numbers. I can't argue. But I'm, I'm just saying he's capable. They're going home now. They're going to LA, so he's probably going to be more comfortable there. And LeBron and LeBron and AD are going to feed him the ball. They are going to have confidence in him. They they are. And it that's see that's what I'm saying. You're missing that point. It is awesome. You know how much it is. It feels good for your teammates to have confidence in you, even if you're not making the shots, to go out there and shoot the shot. Because if they didn't have the confidence in you, John, he'd be even worse probably. So Agreed, at least having that but... confidence in him that he can't, he's going to be like, you know what? My teammates are passing me the ball. LeBron has numerous times on so many players uh, for his teammates said when he passed you the ball, I ain't passing you the ball for you to pass it up. Shoot the damn ball. Well, the reason why I said all that to you is because this is round one. If yeah. you think the Lakers are going to the finals or the conference finals with D'Lo starting, you're going to watch him get exposed defensively. Is, right? Memphis, He's a wallflower. Memphis defensively is one of the best in the league. 
talk about the Memphis offense versus D'Angelo Russell's defense. Like D'Lo against oh no no, no Sacramento, no. Uh, De'Aaron Fox getting guarded by D'Lo would be like a terrible thing. So now you got to put Austin. I mean he's Reeves not. I mean he's yeah he's he's not going to be guarded by. Yeah. But I understand they're going to. But even make then, him switch. Like a Harrison Barnes on a switch. But, but see now you're not looking at this too. So LeBron's not going to attack the weak players on the Kings. Uh, is Sabonis going to guard AD? Like, like I understand your points right now. Memphis is a phenomenal. I don't think anybody disrespect them defensively. Like the, they've they've got the defensive player of the year on their team for a reason. They've got guys on their team that are tough, gritty guys that are fight and that are there to basically be a high level defender. AD had a struggle, had a, a bad game in game two, a really bad game. He can't be doing that, and I think he understands. I think he's going to be much better in game two. I truly do sure. believe that. I mean, game three. Sorry. But for you to sit here and say, if they get through Memphis, which I fully believe they will, I, I think it can go seven, but I'm still going to stick with six because of Jaws' injury. I think it's almost smooth sailing from here in the West. Because if you guys think the Kings are coming out. That no, uh, no, no. I don't think the Kings are coming out the West. No, 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 no. Out of round one, out of round uh, one. Yeah. They're going to match up the Kings and the Lakers. And while you say D'Lo is going to get attacked, who's the Lakers are playing the Nuggets in the second round. No, they're not. No, no, I'm looking at that. We had that wrong. I'm looking at the bracket right now. Um, so the the Denver Nuggets and Minnesota match up with Phoenix and the the Clippers. Nuggets are playing the worst, the lowest seed. That's seven. what I. All right, see, see, that's what I thought, right? But I've been told so many times lately that that's not the case. That makes no I'm sense. being genuine. I, I, I'm trying to figure this out because I thought right. the exact same thing as you, John, that the lowest seed, the number, if the number one, the highest seed faced the lowest seed in the second round. But I've been told so many times that the, like, I'm looking at the bracket Justin, and it's I'm not, not tripping out. Huh? No, I believe it's a uh, lowest seed takes yeah. out the highest seed. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't think we have to go okay. into that, right? No, what I was just being literally genuine. I'm not. I I, I, I didn't. That's what I'm saying. People. I've have never been, heard someone say that to me. I don't have to be a dick about it, John. I'm just saying people have said that to me, and I'm being genuine and asking a question and trying to be helped and, and educated. But all right. So yeah, they're facing Denver. My point still stands that they're facing Denver. Jokic is not going to be able to handle AD. Who's guarding LeBron on? De then this is even a better argument for me. All right. Who's guarding LeBron on Denver? Aaron Gordon. But but Brandon, Aaron Gordon shutting down. Too. Aaron Gordon's taking Carl Anthony Towns out of a playoff series. It's like, Carl Anthony Towns on LeBron's level. <laughs> but think about it this way: Cat's playing like four of twelve from the field every other game. So if Cat's being played off the floor all together, and if you've watched Aaron Gordon, you know he's one of the best wing defenders in the league. And if you've he's watched LeBron freaking James, he's the second greatest player yeah. of all time. And Aaron Gordon, historically on LeBron James, has been one of the best matchups in the league by just. Pure one-on-one -on -one data. They match up. LeBron okay. is literally okay. I, I, playing at okay. his worst against I, Aaron Gordon. I, I can't wait. I I really hope the Lakers and Denver match up because I cannot wait they will. For to dominate that freaking series and for AD to dominate that series. Well, AD Nuggets are going home the if they match up with the Lakers. Nuggets are going home if they match up with the Lakers. Well, if you're so high on Jamal Murray and you respected him, I mean, he I would love be Jamal Murray. The I perfect can love a guy for that series. Team. I can love another play. I can love a player on another team. Ar got him. Ar got him. Ar is going to guard Jamal Murray. I mean, Jamal's going to get his, but Ar is going to, you know, make it tougher on. You know, yeah, you know, Brandon, I think, I think when I watched the Lakers and and I said it 
oh, time and time again about their inconsistencies. And as much as I want to see them win, because I am a Braun guy, mm-hmm. no, watching them limp to victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves for a playing game it is is the exact reason why I can't trust this team against, like John has said, teams with cohesion. I think the top three teams in the West that have cohesion are exactly ranked properly. Denver, Memphis, Sacramento. Those three teams have showed you that they have the best team chemistry out of anybody else in the Western Conference. And it's all these teams are getting easily exposed. And I think the Lakers will get exposed for the rest of the series. I got enough respect to say at at minimum, this, this series is going six or seven. It, it has to. So you're sticking with Memphis even with the jaw injury. Yeah, I But am. you realize that the Memphis you, Grizzlies you know what? are missing Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, and Ja Morant. And you know what? Every time that they lose somebody and they showed you in the regular season, they still keep the foot on the pedal. That on the gas. They just don't stop. That's not something you want to bet on. I'm sorry. It's a great That's point, Justin. The, the Grizzlies I, are I a think... team that you have to show up against every single night. Yes, they're out Because their coach and Taylor Jenkins is one of the most creative defensively with how he uses his personnel. And they're so deep and they're so ready. They've guys. They've got guys like David Roddy in the second playoff game, Xavier Tillman and his first time starting in the playoffs, and John Conchar are all, all contributing. When these were players earlier on in the season that were not in the rotation, right? So in spite of those injuries, their coaches had all of their players prepared so that they can go 10 deep when they're already missing three rotation players. Now, John Morant is probably not going to be at 100%, I would imagine, right? But oh. even then, his impact, his effect on the floor does make them a better team than what they were in Game 2. Yeah, and in Game 1, in game one the Grizzlies, defensively, I, I felt like they could have been a lot closer to Game 2. So if they're going to defend at their highest level without Ja, you add him back into the mix. Hey, look, I think this series is still going to six or seven games. It's just a matter of will Ja be that same presence getting to the rim. If he is, then I think the Grizzlies will win this series. If he's not, then I have the Lakers winning. But it really does depend on him putting pressure on the rim. That's what it ultimately will come down to, I think, that will decide the series. With Ja. I understand his impact when he's even on the court, right? But they're going to most likely leave him wide open from three now because they know his his right hand is completely compromised. I mean, he wasn't a he's not a good three point shooter with a healthy hand. Now it's even worse. So I, I just said, and and putting uh, uh, pressure on the interior, how much pressure is he going to be able to apply with that injury? Like, what he's not going to be able to go up the same way. Because of his hand, he probably doesn't have a good grip or anything on the ball. And we've seen how active Vanderbilt Vanderbilt is. AD has been a menace on defense, even though he had a bad uh, offensive game last night. He's still showing like that. He's he's got it. And LeBron, hell, this guy, he is loving those chase down blocks. If you're going to the rim and you're not paying attention to your surroundings, LeBron is his basketball IQ is so high that he realizes. Oh, this guy's going. Oh, he's not looking for a teammate. He's going to the hole. Oh, I'm gonna get his ass, and he gets him every time. So, and and you know about ARs. Uh, uh, he's a he's a he's a spark plug. He's gonna fight you uh, the entire way. So I just think it's gonna be more difficult for Ja. Like at some point, it's Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams. Now Ja's right hand is gonna be massively, you know taped up and not effective i just think at some point now you're 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 kind of i don't think you're meaning to 
you adjust him, but I think you guys are kind of being a little bit too disrespectful to a LeBron James led team that they aren't going to be able to figure it out with three of the very important players to this Memphis Grizzlies team. And this isn't the Memphis Grizzlies team last year where they played without Ja. Right. All right. Cause they did have Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, but they also had DeAnthony Melton. Right. They also had, um, oh, who's the other guy? Kyle Anderson. Uh, Kyle Anderson. Yep. So I, I just, you know, at some point, John, I hear what you're saying. You're going to be outnumbered. And I do think actually, if Ja is back, I think that actually might hamper the Grizzlies more than if he's mm. gone because yeah. of how bad that right hand is. Going. I think Tyus Jones is actually the better uh, play right now because of the hand injury. That's a good case to make. Uh, but I, it, that's true. It's just, you know, obviously, as you Even know. Even though Tyus had a bad game. Uh, yeah, their only, their only chance of winning the series is if John Morant is John Morant, right? Yes. Uh, now, I actually did check the NBA playoff bracket to see, and you were actually right. So the see? matchup. See? I want an apology right now. I want an apology. The 1-8 matchup plays the 4-5. I want an apology. Say, Brandon, so, I apologize. You know what? I was not looking. I was not prepared. I wasn't really. This is what I was saying. That. And I also made a video talking about how the Nuggets were going to take the Lakers in the second round of the playoffs and beat them just a couple days ago. And so I'm sure people are letting me know in the comments. Oh, hey, in buddy. our video, yeah, they are. No, in, my, in one of my videos. Oh, I'm well, sure, yeah, I'm you sure posted the ours and they're letting us. They're letting you know. They're going to be like, hey, buddy, you know. It's okay. I made the same. 4-5 plays the 1-8. And I, I kind of forgot in the second round. That's, that's it's always football. Been. We're thinking football. Uh, football exactly. I'm, I'm thinking football or any other sport. Yeah, I feel like every other sport does that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but in basketball, you. it's just the bracket. I'm pretty sure that's, you know, in the bracket, it's just, it's always been a different way. And um, um, the reason why you don't think about this is because usually the 70 and the 80 are not going to the second round. But this yep. year, the Lakers and uh Whoever is the seventh seed, not the, the Hawks, not them. But the Lakers are making a, a pretty compelling case. Yeah, so. 100%. So, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry for yeah. – uh, maybe I came off like I was calling you an idiot by saying – You no were. You were. You that. were basically calling me an idiot. But, no, I was I was saying – I was thinking to myself out loud, actually. I, I was just like, head. no one's ever said that to me. That, But, no, people have many times said that to me, I'm pretty sure. The yeah. 4 or 5 always plays the 1-8. And, you know, that's just a little human error there by John. <laughs> So, uh, to talk about a seven C, I just mentioned before Trey Young, uh, is not only not the best player in the Hawks right now, but he doesn't look like he belongs in the series versus Boston. And it's really hard for me to come away with a takeaway because in order for the Hawks to be competitive versus a team like Boston, Trey has to be one of like the two best players on the floor. And, you know, I had the Hawks going five, maybe six games if they could really hold it up on defense against Jason and Jalen versus Boston, but it would be like a less competitive five or six gamer, right? And ultimately, Trey Young, when he's shooting 33%, averaging six turnovers, and literally is probably the worst defender on the floor, total liability, is becoming a liability for the Hawks. And it's it's weird to me how two years ago, Trey was arguably the best player on the floor, Javel Embiid. Uh, he was playing so well, controlling the game and pick and roll. He got his team to the conference finals. He's also a guard that can't get all the way down to the rim and relies on the free throws. And in the postseason, he's seen his foul, his foul shot attempts drop from eight a game to six and a half. And we've gotten to a point with Trey Young where you have to just ask, is it worth the Hawks even like keeping this guy long term? I know the more I watch him play, the more it becomes crystal clear. A guard like Steph Curry or Isaiah Thomas that can lead you to the NBA Finals 
is an anomaly historically. We got Jay Ray in the mix. We're talking about your boy Trey Young, who you think is overrated, but you still respect him. Trey Young, Justin, is probably the worst of our last two years in the postseason. First, Miami, he had the impossible task of all by himself trying to beat them. And now versus Boston, we're seeing it again. The question is, is Trey Young gonna bounce back? Was he gonna continue stumbling backward? Uh, man, I, I think uh, we know exactly what Trey Young is. I don't think there's no regression or progression. I think what he is now is what he's going to be. Um, I think I think we've seen it, and Atlanta needs to stop thinking that this is going to be their number one star, and they need to start investing in, I don't know, a, try and go out there, get yourself a Jalen Brown, or get yourself another number one, because Trey Young could be an absolute stud if he was complimenting somebody else. You know, so if you take that pressure off him, I think he can he can do fantastic things. And, and we saw what he was capable of in that playoff series against my Knicks. The you know, he can be he has star moments, but all in all, he, he can't be that number one guy. And we've been talking about this since the beginning of the season, what that DeJounte Murray trade would do for them. And it's clear. Not enough. We, we said it wasn't enough then and it's not enough now. And, and it doesn't seem like that's a team that has that has gelled completely. So you need to find yourself that star because Trey Young isn't going to be that guy that you can rely on when you need to go deep into a playoff series. He's not going to be that guy. What he did that one year was fantastic, getting to the conference finals. Nobody saw it coming. But, yeah, you shocked everybody. It was a year after the COVID stuff going on. First time, uh, you know, people were allowed back in the stands for the playoffs. It, it was a different NBA. Now everybody's back in the fold. And now you got to adjust Atlanta. It says you you got next move in the offseason because you know you're not getting by Boston. You know it. Um. Yeah, I I still do think Atlanta can win a game in Atlanta. They're 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 going to uh, uh home for the next two games now. So I in terms of Trey Young, I mean, first off, he he needs to stop trying to be Steph Curry because uh, he's not. Uh, and I think he thinks he is. And I think a lot of people have told him he is. Uh, so it, it's just, it's, listen, he's a complete liability on the defensive end because of his size. It had nothing to do with it. If he was taller, maybe he'd be a better defender, but he's not. So you got to live with what he is. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to DeJounte Murray, who John was, you know, kind of slicing last episode. He had a hell of, a hell of an effing game. 29 points, six boards, six assists. Four steals, only three turnovers, 11 to 24 from the field, and seven for 13 from the three-point line. That's a hell of a game. He is, I mean, John Collins and Trey Young really screwed him. They needed, they, they, the, with that performance, Atlanta could have won that game if Trey Young and John Collins came along for the ride. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 and with the rumors now coming out that apparently Atlanta is, uh, you know, kind of getting tired of Trey Young. Uh, he's becoming a headache for them. They want him out. I, I, I think he is probably on his way out. I, 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 I agree with you, Justin. I, I think he's a perfect compliment. I, I just don't know who that person is. I, I feel like because of his defensive liability, you definitely can't put him with somebody who like like a Luka Doncic, who's also not very good defensively. You have to put him with somebody like maybe a Joel Embiid or something. And even then, I don't know if it works that and well. Anthony Davis would be great too. Um, but yeah, it all depends on fit. I just don't, it'll be interesting where Trey Young ends up. Cause I do, I actually do think uh, it's over for him in Atlanta. And, and isn't it interesting 
Uh, I forget what draft they were in, John, Luca and Trey. 2018. 2018. We all know about the trade. It could have easily been Luca in Atlanta and Trey Young in Dallas. And they decided, you know, everybody, you know, said after the trade that it was kind of a perfect match made in heaven. Trey was meant for Atlanta and Luca was meant for Dallas. Now the headaches are coming out. Luca could be one out of Dallas. Uh, Trey could have be won out Atlanta. How history could have changed and how differently things could have, you know. And Shea, the one who actually got traded during his career, is the one who's pretty happy in Oklahoma City. You know yep. what? So here's the thing, Brent. You guys made the point that Trey Young could fit off on another star as sort of a, a 1B or a 2. And a two. I don't know if he can. When he is not on the ball and he's playing off of a DeJounte Murray, I can't be the only one that notices he just doesn't move without the ball. And yeah. he's kind of just a statue, quite frankly. He's already undersized and struggles to get downhill. So now you coincide that with really bad habits. Defensively, you're talking about D'Angelo Russell. I think Trey Young is a compelling case as the worst defender in basketball. Just oh, yes. a true wallflower of that. As the point guard, your sole responsibility is to be the first one back on defense. And, man, there are times when it's like a two-on-one. And Trey, at six foot, like uh, this is the analogy I make. I want you to imagine James Harden shrinking five inches and losing 60 pounds, and that would be Trey Young. So if Harden was already viewed as a terrible defender, imagine what Trey Young is on that side of the ball. And he's so reliant on three throws when he's not getting them. For his career, in the playoffs, Trey Young has played 23 games. You know what he shoots from three point in in his 23 games? 28%. So I kind of made the take. I think Darius Garland on the Cavs, who had a quiet game one performance, but a really good game two, is a guard I would rather have because he's a much better shot maker on the ball. He shoots like 40% from three for his career damn near. He's also a much better defender mm-hmm. and a way more willing and capable off-ball player mm-hmm. that attacks closeouts with will as a rapid decision maker. And with Trey, the ball sticks in his hands. With a Darius Garland or a Tyrese Halliburton, these younger guards that I've hyped up, the ball is always connecting, flying around. But with Trey, what his teammates often didn't like, especially outside that playoff run where he did give the ball up sooner in possessions, is that while Trey may be an assist artist, he gets a lot of assists in pick and roll. He doesn't allow his teammates to work much off the ball, mano mano, and it's really just him holding on to the ball for 15 seconds yeah. before passing out to them at the end of the shot clock, and they're not in rhythm. So, you know, Trey Young, to me, is one of the most skilled floor raisers in the league. But to win a championship... I don't think Trey Young will ever win a championship. Don't think he ever will. I, I just don't think, think he's unselfish enough. And maybe that changes. He's still young. He's 24 years old, but he's taken no steps forward. And from a, a habit standpoint, and it's funny to me, like <laughs> no one really cares about this, but this was a team people are hyping up as a contender, myself included. If Cam Reddish, who they got in the Trey Young trade, became what people expected as one of the top three recruits from his high school class. But, you know, with Trey Young, it's... It's a matter of the Hawks deciding what will get us back to the conference final sooner. Trey Young, what we're going to get by moving on from him. Yeah, I I, I do do think that Trey Young can win a championship. I don't think he'll win a championship as a number one. That that book has been closed. Um, But yeah, I I, I think Trey Young is done in Atlanta. That's why they they leaked the report. You'll notice they keep leaking these reports, and one of them was right before the playoffs. uh, Yeah, right before the playing game. Right, and, and uh, Trey, uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember if he had, he didn't have a very good game, but he played. Okay. He actually, he, he didn't was, play well, but he, uh, he, he didn't shoot unselfish. well. He didn't shoot unselfish. well. Unselfish, yeah, yeah. He's he unselfish. 
the shot make is not too big of an issue for me. I just want to see you working off the ball a little bit. But yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Darius. I would take Darius Garland over Trey Young. Uh, Halliburton, I would just, I, I, I understand your, uh, your, your high praise for him. I would just need to see him on a winning team and right. in the playoffs okay. for me to say, okay, I've seen him do it. Yeah, sure. I, so, I think Halliburton has all the, the makings to become a playoff superstar. The second he gets in there, he's going to make some noise. He's a fantastic player. But uh, before he's we, Reggie Miller vibes. yeah. So before we go to a different topic, on Trey Young, I know you said uh, he needs to change, and I and I really hope he does for the simple fact that you've seen guys like Carmelo Anthony, uh, Russell Westbrook that don't want to take different roles that see themselves well, only in one specific spot and don't want to adapt. And don't be that guy, Trey. Do not, because if you can learn to adapt, you can play among some of the biggest stars in the game. Cement yourself in NBA history as one of the best, you know, Robins uh, to be known. But you can't do that if you if you don't make that change. Like like John said, you can't be standing still when the ball's not in your hand. You got to be moving. If people want to call you Steph Curry, if you see Steph Curry playing off ball, that guy's running races around dudes whenever he doesn't have the ball in his hand moving around screens. Trey Young, we know he can shoot the lights out. If he can add that to his game, the ability to move off ball and allow somebody else to create. Become more efficient. Nelson. Yep. Well, so, so this is perfect, right? Because you said Russell Westbrook. Before the this run of last two games, right? I would agree. Or, or actually the Clippers run, to be honest with you, I would agree with you. Um, but I would say more Carmelo, yes. AI, yes. Ooh. But Russell is showing me something. This bleeds right into uh, our next topic. Um, if we are rethinking any um, uh, any of the playoff first round series after game twos mm. real quick. Because I want to hit on this. There was a series, right? And Justin, you had left the show um, before we got me, John, and Roman got into a topic. Uh, the Clippers and Sun series. And I tried to make a point, Justin. I don't know if you watched the, the the segment, but I tried to make a point. And I got cut off pretty relatively quickly. Basically, I mean, basically laughed at. Basically told to, 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 to be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. And, and then at the end of it, I, I said, you know, you guys didn't let me get to talk, but it's fine. We'll just wait to see how this series plays out, right? And, and I just I just have to say, you know, I, I I feel like maybe the ones who were talking should have, you know, not been talking and opening their ears a little oh. bit. Oh, you because... want to know why we cut you off? No, you're going to say for that reason, but you misinterpreted what I said. I didn't say that. What do you say? You thought I said that like, nor you, what you interpreted what my saying was that Norman Powell is on Devin Booker's level. I said he can score with him. He can't yes. defend with Devin Booker. He has he not been. Okay, like I understand he has not been the last two games, but they haven't even needed him. All right. And that's not 100% his fault. I thought he should, I think he should honestly be getting more of a role in the offense. Uh, I just, I don't know why he's not, but I, I, listen, that doesn't matter at this point anymore because basically what I didn't even get to get into is, is happening uh, to my, in front of my eyes, right? In this series. Are you going to your apology, too? What apology? After you go. No, what apology? Because I, I wanted to... What was this? No, because you had something to say, but I wanted... I was curious to know... No, I didn't have anything to say. Was I want the apology. What you had to say. Oh, What's you the didn't. Apology? The apology is for Russell Westbrook, my friend. Oh, 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 100%. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say... And, and listen, 
don't don't try and be slick okay don't act like all three of us didn't this is one where i am not crazy that we did not all agree russell westbrook has not been an effective player okay we all did effective player right now yeah but now i'm talking back then okay when we were talking about this when he was one of the he's the worst three-point shooter one of the worst in the league inefficient from the free throw line missing his shots uh, a turnover machine Russell Westbrook has been absolutely killing it right now, right? And he's accepting a role is what I wanted to get into, Justin, why I say don't mention him in that breath for right now because he has started to accept a role of – and it's so awesome to see because he's realizing before his eyes that, wait, I do have another five, six, seven years of great basketball just in a different role. Like, I can evolve now. Look now, at you can, yeah, now you can be effective. Because I feel like we've all known, like Russell Westbrook has never been known for defense, right? Never. He doesn't really try. I think we all thought he's capable. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the hustle. We know on the offensive end, he doesn't cheat you, but defensively he can. He has shown you that when he wants to, oh, he can be a high level defender. He can be a nuisance. I mean, the amount of times in game one, especially he would, he would, uh, a guy would kind of get past him and he'd be able to knock the ball out of their hand. It's remarkable. That's, something you can't teach that's instinct that's athleticism of how quick and 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 just bursting at he is the the ability to block kevin durant shots or effective it Betty. that's only because of how much they've played together and there's only probably a couple of people who know kevin durant better than russell westbrook on the basketball court i should say he know he's seen all his moves in okc he knows all of it so he knows oh he's gonna drive this way oh he's pulling up for a mid-range shot i'm coming smack it from behind Right, he's he's. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Russell Westbrook. Um, and, and I know he had a bad game one shooting the ball wise, but everything else, defense, energy, uh, 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 initiating the offense, rebounding. And I know John said this last year. Um, he doesn't need a, a guard to rebound. He sees no point in it. I think we are seeing right before our eyes. Our eyes. That it can be very effective. Right. And we and I agree with you on that point. I can admit I was wrong agreeing with you on that point. Because I think, especially the way Russell Westbrook is doing it, I mean, it's it's next level shit. Uh, the guy is, is be, the way he's able to time it, to see it, react, and go for it, is this is something you can't teach as well. This mm. is instinct. And Russell Westbrook is showing us right before our eyes that if you just accept a new role and you buy in well the sky's the limit also of course some of that's devin booker and deandre not boxing out but that's a great point with well, his rebounding on the on the offensive end because i said defensive ready for my guard is invaluable but on the offensive glass right now he's getting the most crucial second chance points for his team mm. and as you touched on brandon defensively he made one of the best plays of the season i didn't think he fouled devin booker then throwing off him out of bounds yeah very close when he is competing and engaged defensively, you're getting the player that was a defensive player of the year at UCLA in college, mm. back 12, 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. That Russell, that version of Russell Westbrook supersedes what he takes off the table. Yeah, I, I so in, in terms of rethinking this series, I said the Suns can be, uh, the Suns will go seven uh, in this series against the Clippers, but I said the Suns were going to win. I, I'm, I'm going to, 
stick with that for right now because I want to see how uh, the Clippers perform in and uh, not actually the Clippers because I think that they're going to show up. I want to see how the Suns perform in LA now uh, on, on the Clippers home court because the bench is definitely being exposed. And uh, in, in whether you think it's the lack of Monty Williams playing the right guys or whether you think that the, the guys that he's playing or the guys that he could be playing are just mm. not it. Can we talk uh, about that? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Landry Shaman is playing to make threes, and he doesn't take them. Like, mm. Damian, Lee, Damian Lee last year in the Warriors in the first part of the season was a key piece to their elite run. They're like 20-2 and two or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's the best shooter on the Suns. He was the best shooter. And Monty Williams stopped playing him for Terrence Ross, who's now no longer even in the rotation. And then TJ Warren, my guy. In Brooklyn, he was giving them great bench minutes, great bench minutes, and he's not playing. So Monty Williams, he picks favorites, and one of them is Landry Shaman. But, man, he needs shooting badly around those stars. Three-point shooting specifically, and he's not playing his best spot-up three-point shooter. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't. Oh, listen, I honestly believe, regardless, I think the Suns are still in a good spot. Uh, they They win game two, and... Kevin Durant doesn't make a single three. Kevin Durant is just playing playing as uh, efficient basketball as we all know him to be. And I, I don't know. I just feel like the Suns and, and the way the Clippers have looked all season, inconsistent as well, just as inconsistent as the Lakers have been. Uh, we've seen this new version of Russell Westbrook, this guy that's playing, you know, efficient, high-quality basketball. Uh, but there's always that, you know, thing that holds me back is is this just temporary it's just, just these first two games they they thought they found something and then maybe the suns can expose them over games three four and five i think uh i forgot what did i pick before i left the show i believe i picked the suns in six if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken and i think i'm gonna still roll with that i think we haven't seen kevin durant actually turn it up a gear yet uh we've seen cp3 cp3 put up a nice game 16 points the other night <clears throat> Good to see him get involved in the offense rather than just dishing out. I want to see CP3 score because when you add that also to the Suns' offense, it makes them so much more dynamic. But I still got the Suns. There's nothing that the Clippers can really do to change my mind on that. I just think they're the same team they were in the regular yeah. season. Right? Uh, I, oh, it's tough. It's tough, Justin. You want to know why it's tough. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are playing 45 minutes per game right now just for the Suns to barely escape the Clippers. The way the Suns try to beat teams is through the mid-range exclusively. Mm. Even their center doesn't dunk the basketball. Their point guard and Chris Paul, Hall of Famer. Top five point guard easily all the time. Not a question to all the haters out there that think he's not. Chris Paul this year has made 12 shots at the rim. And 30 hours of basketball. I think the number would be 60. Played 1,800 minutes. The Suns don't get to the rim. They don't get to the foul line. Like, they were dead last this year in layup attempts. Fourth to last in three throws. And because they rely so much on mid-range... How do you mass-produce elite mid-range shooting as fresh legs? Well, Kevin Durant, coming off an ankle sprain, barely played 10 games. Yep. Devin Booker has had multiple hamstring injuries in just the last 11 months. Yep. If he re-aggravates that, done. Yep. So the Suns are trying to win in a way that requires fresh legs with no bench depth, no reliable, true reliable backup big to spell DA when he's yep. ineligible. And we saw that. Yep. is an awesome defender, but, man, I might be better offensively in biz. And then with no campaign, there's no pull-up three-point shooting, really. It's all mid-range stuff. And so the Clippers are a great matchup for the Suns because just like them, they don't get to the rim. They take a lot of mid-rangers. But, you know, Brandon, I do want to make one thing pretty clear. It's that Kawhi Leonard, a guy that's missed out on this Kevin Durant matchup in 2017 when he got her in game one versus the Warriors, 
2019 when Kevin Durant left in Game 5, and then 2021 when both of their teams were ruined by injuries due to ACLs, hamstrings, and stuff like that. We're finally seeing the Kevin Durant-Kawhi Leonard playoff matchup. Whoa. The question is, fellas, what, what player is better? Oh, I think we know. And in these games, we've seen Kawhi in Game 1 outscore Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Kevin Durant combined all by himself, 25 points to their 24. In Game 2, he has a great game. But after him and Russell Westbrook, they didn't get that third piece. In Game 1, the third piece was Eric Gordon. It was Evita Zubats who outplayed DeAndre and getting paid $155 million. Who would have thought that would happen? Not me. But let me tell you something. Kawhi Leonard, right now, is playing at the level of a top five player. And Kevin Durant coming off his injury, I'm not fully sure if he's better. But you know what, though? I still have the Suns winning this playoff series. And the reason why is because there's no Paul George out there. Yeah. Devin Booker has been so good offensively, so good off of Kevin Durant, that I think that connection, that continuity they have with Chris Paul and DA doing their own thing as well. It's tough for me to then pick Kawhi to beat Phoenix altogether. But really, the question is, who's better, Kawhi or Kevin Durant? At the moment, so, it's the claw. Board man gets paid, that? man. Right now, it's Kawhi. Kawhi? Because, listen, listen, it's it, you guys are finally realizing what I've known, right, for years now. Uh, and we just had you guys haven't been able to see it. And I understand it. If you haven't seen it, you you, you can't, you know, say what I, I've, I've known. But I, I knew what I saw, and I knew it wasn't a fluke uh, back in, what was that, 2017 in the Western Conference Finals, San Antonio versus Golden State in the Oracle and the San Antonio Spurs up 27 points, I believe, in the third quarter before Kawhi goes down. I know what I was seeing. Uh, I, I, I do think. I mean, Kawhi is out there showing how one man can take down a super team if he's just on another. I mean, this man, Kawhi Leonard, is I think I'm comfortable is the most fund fundamentally sound player in the NBA. Mm. Among stars or just all players? Every single person. The man is what's Wait, his, what's the, what's another nickname for him besides the claw? Everybody calls him what this a cyborg. It's everything. He's a tactician. The the there's like no no movement is is wasted with Kawhi. He, he's like a freaking a cyborg. He's out there analyzing everything at at the highest level. He's unfazed by anything and everything nothing can get to him and he's showing all i heard all freaking regular season was Kawhi doesn't do this Kawhi can't do that anymore Kawhi won't do this Kawhi couldn't do that when he was coming off a torn acl and all i'm seeing is Kawhi leonard go out there and put up elite offense and guarding Book and Durant. What star is doing that? Yeah. Ain't nobody doing that. Nobody. 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 But I'll uh, put some goddamn respect on Kawhi Ethan Leonard's name. The freaking y'all get y'all Kawhi for his career shoots 50, right? 40, 84 in the playoffs. See, let me but, talk. But nobody let me talk to you, Justin. For Kawhi. Talk about efficiency. John has been disrespectful to Kawhi. What are you talking about? You just listen. You've thrown some shots, all right? When he won a championship, Brandon, I, I claimed anymore. him the best player in the world four years ago. And the year since, he blew a three-one lead in the bubble. In 2021, he tore his ACL, and in 2022, he didn't play. That is three years of nothing, and his worst playoff moment. His worst playoff moment in 2021. Now in 2020, sorry, 2020. 
But then in 2021, he looked phenomenal. I mean, to be clear, the guy oh, was shooting want to be there. 57% in 11 games. But it also took them seven games to actually beat the Mavericks, right? I think we kind of forget about that. And so there was, it felt like Kawhi kind of took some breaks in like game one and two. Same way they did take a break versus Utah in game one. And now we're starting to see with no Paul George, the Clippers have their backs against the wall. And Kawhi Leonard, under the most amount of pressure he's probably ever been under in his entire career, mm-hmm. is playing as well as he did two years ago, not folding with no star compliment. And technically the star is Russ, but he's still just not shooting well enough to be qualified as such. And this is basically two-on-one. This is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Let me talk to you. Top seven players in the conference going up against Kawhi. And they're having to play 45 minutes just to escape the claw. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you real quick. I said the Suns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said the Suns in seven. I'm changing up. Clippers in seven. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that because this is this is it. Literally, I'm, like ten literally minutes flipped. ago, you said you were still rolling with the Suns. See, because no, no, because my, my oh gears my are rolling. God. they're rolling now, and I'm I'm, I'm ten I'm minutes to Listen, I made a decision last. The Clippers taking him out in seven, and Kawhi Leonard is going to take what should have been rightfully his, if not for unforeseen circumstances of injuries. All right, Kawhi Leonard would have been the best player in the world if not for injuries in his career. Let me state that right now. He would. And now he's reclaiming what should have been his, what is rightfully his. The claw is proving to everybody, and he will be the reason. Uh, What he should have, rewriting history is what Kawhi Leonard is doing right now. What he was going to do, what he was on his way to doing in 2017, being a single man to take down a super team is what he is going to do. James Harden. First round of the playoffs. The Suns are going home. The sunset is done. You know what, Brandon? A lot of people a year ago, people tried to make the case Jason Tatum was better than Kawhi Leonard. That is where I draw the line as somebody that's loosely criticized Kawhi. And they have poopy in their head. And let me say this, Jason Tatum in the playoffs is not on Kawhi Leonard's level. He is nowhere near as dynamic an offensive threat. I mean, Kawhi's not gained the rim exclusively, but he is one of the most powerful players. Oh, and let's talk about this too. The way he re- he made himself into that, because John probably knows better than all of us how he was not an offensive threat coming out of college. How in San Antonio, they had to rework his shooting form to become this Chip England. deadly, deadly Possibly, I've heard this comparison. J.J. Redick made it on first take. The closest thing he's seen to Michael Jordan in that last three-peat from the mid-range, Kawhi Leonard. How efficient and fundamentally sound he is. It's it's next level. Closest to MJ. In in terms of that the the mid-range game and how technical he is from the mid-range game. I would argue Kevin Durant, but I'd say the closest player to Michael Jordan. Post Kobe Bryant, I felt like Kobe wasn't on the same level as Michael as a defender, but he was close. I, I think the closest thing to those two guards would be Kawhi, mm. but he's two inches taller and 30 pounds more than each of them. Mm. And you know what? You made the point. Kawhi is a rookie, came off the bench, played 24 minutes. Kawhi didn't average 20 points per game until his fifth season. You know, he was also averaging 20 points per game for the first time in his fifth season. 
Mikel Bridges. But oh. Mikel, for as much as I've, I've enjoyed watching his gradual development, like Kawhi Leonard, didn't have the physical profile that Kawhi did coming out of San Diego State. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's weird to say that it took Kawhi until 2016 to become a 20-point-per-game scorer. And then two years later, he was getting moved to the Raptors. So in 2019, that was just the start of Kawhi Leonard's peak at 27 years old. Like, we forget Kawhi was 27. He was young in that playoff run. He's just 31, four years later. We were still watching the peak of Kawhi Leonard. And I think a lot of people took it for granted. They forgot how dynamic and unstoppable threat he was. Because that finals run, think about it this way. In the first round of the playoffs, the Raptors played the Orlando Magic. They won four straight. Then they played Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Kawhi thoroughly outplayed Jimmy Butler, who we argue is a playoff superstar in this show. He outplayed Jimmy Butler in that series. Then he moves on to Milwaukee, right? The Bucks, they won game one, and they also won game two. And then they lost four straight points to Kawhi, who in that series— Outplayed Giannis on the Kumpo. Keep in mind, Giannis won the NBA MVP that year. He then goes to the NBA Finals, and we often discredit him because Kevin Durant played 12 minutes in the entire series. But on the floor of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, plus Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard averaged 29 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, and 4 assists. Mm. Steph Curry was just as good averaging 30 points and 6 assists, but he shot worse. Kawhi was the best player in that series as well. So Kawhi had one playoff run, outplayed Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Steph Curry to win a championship for a Raptors franchise that since him uh-uh. have not made it to the conference finals and may not make it back there anytime soon. So I, I think he, I think Kawhi Leonard's peak is really historically underrated given the degree of difficulty and how much credit he was not given because Kevin Durant was out in that finals. Thank Truly you. not given. Yeah, and the, the injuries I forgot. But Justin, I mean, what, you got something you want to say or something about Kawhi Leonard? Because we all know what, what it is, all right? What do you mean? I got nothing but respect for Kawhi. Uh, you think like, I'm going to sit here and disrespect him? I love Kawhi. Taking the faces and the thing. And the one. one of you have Carmelo Anthony over say, him. That was you, one. Justin. You had Paul Pierce over him all time. Don't think I forgot uh, your small forward. You had Paul Pierce and some other... Clearly, we're a small forward above Kawhi. I'll say this. If Kevin Durant is at his peak of powers, he is better than Kawhi Leonard. So I know you guys are saying all this stuff. Right now, we're talking about a Kevin Durant that's coming off of injury that has barely played. He's still finding his legs. The second, the second Kevin Durant is feeling like his best self, this series, there's no competition. There's not. What happened if the Clippers win? What do you mean? What happens if the what Clippers went down? The narrative is getting outplayed by Pizza Zubots. What's the narrative? The narrative on who? You know what I'm talking about. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is amazing. There's nothing that cha- There's nothing, there is nothing that Kawhi Leonard can do that would surprise me. There, there's nothing. He's already shown us. John touched on his, his finals run with Toronto. If that didn't catapult Kawhi Leonard in, everybody, in everybody's eyes, then I don't know what does. So I have immense respect for the guy. Nothing he does, even if he loses another series, even if he coughed up a 3-1 lead, I wouldn't look at him any differently. Kawhi's going to be Kawhi. But I'm going to do it right now, guys. What? I'm going to do it. 
do it. I'm gonna go even further. He's gonna if he says the Clippers. Are, yo, further. John, if he says the Clippers are going to the finals, I'm leaving right now. I'm going. All right, I'm listen. Leaving. You know what my preseason prediction was for the finals? It was Boston and the Clippers. They're not going to the finals, Brandon. Stop. I'm back on the train, baby. The Clippers are going to the NBA Finals. You don't want to hear it, but they're going through the Suns in seven. All right. Then they're facing the Nuggets. Paul George is coming back. Kawhi Le- Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. All right? You do realize that they blow through on leads to the Nuggets when they're babies, right? John, he literally just went. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Clippers win He's going to use the excuse. They lack the mental fortitude to actually win the bubble. It was in the bubble, bubble so when they didn't excuse. want to be there. Well, the Clippers have been dominated by the Nuggets in the regular Nuggets in the regular season as well. Talking regular season now. Oh, oh man, I need to make this a quote. A, you know how AI that the famous quote we talking about practice. This is me with the we talking regular season. I feel like we are being proven wrong right now. That how many times over this regular season I was told by John that Kawhi can't do this anymore, and he's proving he can do it. He's doing they, it right they now. Can't, they Above can't your, stop, in your very eyes. They can't stop Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Aaron Gordon is the perfect do- matchup for Kawhi. Contavious Caldwell Pope, oh, he's got experience in the playoffs. Paul George coming off injury, he may not be 100%. You saw that like hyperextension. Uh, that Clippers bench, they've got a tough man. time against a younger Nuggets team with more continuity, better health, and honestly, more firepower. I think the Nuggets have more consistent firepower Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. We had a quiet game, too, Who's than the Clippers. Who's deeper? Neither team. The Clippers aren't that deep. John, their their depth is shining versus the Suns. Versus the Suns, it's shining. Because Denver's Denver's not deep either. They're just as lacking depth as the Suns. They have functional depth. Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green. The Clippers aren't even playing Robert Covington. They're not even playing him, who has been average. I could go over his numbers the last couple of times he's been able to play. You want to talk about regular season? He's been balling out in the regular season. He's not even playing who they actually could be using in this series more than Bones Highland because Robert Covington is a body that can guard a Booker and a KD. I'm not saying he's going to stop him, but he is a 3 and D player, and he has been shooting the ball very well the last couple of games he's been able to play in the regular season. You want to talk about regular season, all right? So uh, they're not even playing Marcus Morris, who I know had a terrible regular season, but in the playoffs, he's shown that he can make wide-open shots. He is a tough defender. I know he's older and stuff like that. He's cooked, though. he's cooked. In the vets, in, in, in the playoffs, sorry, in the playoffs, veterans are so key, and the Clippers are showing you that they have the veterans now, that this is why they're there. They know what to do. They've been there before. They're experienced more. And they have the players to guard and throw at you. They are deep. You don't want to see that. They are deep. Brand, and the I think... Clippers are going to the NBA Finals, Justin. You, you know, he used to talk <laughs> Brand, about this is his moment, with the rose-colored glasses and all that. He, he loves <laughs> to do moment. that. But this dude just went, I'm still taking the Suns in six to the Clippers to win the entire series. And now the Clippers going to the Finals. Brandon, you know what? Just because of you and, and how excited you are, Suns in five. Oh, oh, oh. what you want to put on? Oh, you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. Brandon, we all have the moment where we we get really pumped up over, you know, the Clippers being a highly flawed Suns team. This is your moment where you jump the gun on a a two-game sample size. Kawhi Leonard's great, but 
this is not a deep team, and they do not defend well. They're not a good defense. They have not been a good defense all season long. You're and playing Russell it, Westbrook and Evita Zubats, you know they lack the spacing that they had in 2021. They, did, they didn't need it in game one. They didn't need it in game one, and they got the job done. Russell Westbrook just had a 28-point game where he made two or three of his threes, and they lost. So yeah. obviously that spacing point is a little contradiction right now in this series. This is this listen. You banking on Russell Westbrook to shoot as well as he has 40%, 44%. In the set in the set well well in, in the second game, no, I don't expect that again. I don't. I don't. But he's shooting we just as saw well him in game one has. have a terrible shooting night and be able to affect the, the game every other which this way. This is the and first I, round versus a Suns team that is four players, five players deep. Like okay. this is not a good contender they're playing. The the Suns have no. Why depth. are the Why were the Suns no three well, point like, shooting? Aren't the Suns the favorites to make it? To the they're finals? not. People like you call the Suns a super team when they I'm were. I'm talking never about the betting terms in betting in, in betting odds. I don't have the betting the, odds in front of me. The betting odds are wrong. The Suns are not a. Well, contender. they know something. They're wrong on the Suns. They're wrong off. All right. The Suns are just not a good contender. That's they're a pretender. That's what yeah. they. Have so been so this when season. we get through this when we get through this playoffs and they knock out the Suns. I'm gonna hear they're not that good. Then when they start when they start beating the Nuggets, I'm gonna hear the Nuggets don't have the bench. They're not that good defensively, and, and it's just Jokic out there. Then they're gonna beat whoever they match up with in the conference finals. They're gonna beat them. I'm gonna hear oh they weren't that good either. Then they're gonna beat the Celtics. You're gonna say well they didn't have to match up against the Bucks, and y'all gonna be so mad that Kawhi Leonard, three time Finals MVP, champion, boom, book it. I think that'd be a very cool story if he did it. Uh, all right, buddy. you're poking the bear, bud. Well I'm feeling it. Yeah, I can I'm tell. On. I can tell. Oh, baby. I'm uh, real on. talk. Woo! Okay. Okay. Real talk. Wanna talk I want. I want to mention this real Jamal, quick. Jamal. Oh. Jamal Murray is coming. Forty point masterclass. Tell me about Jamal Murray, Murray when I was too. telling you about Jamal Murray, and you almost and, walked out the room. Well, yeah, you're right, calling, him a, you're calling him a, a very, very, very rich top ten point guard. He doesn't need to be that. For the Nuggets. And now you're about to go. Go ahead. You just but, said that. Now go ahead and praise him. Now go uh, ahead and praise his, him. Fuck up both sides your mouth. Forty point masterclass yeah. showed exactly why he, he makes that case. <laughs> Jamal Murray's shot making for this Nuggets team that they sorely lacked a year ago takes a lot of the pressure off Jokic, who's playing through a wrist injury. He didn't have his best game yesterday i mean the timberwolves are down by 30 points almost and they came back in a 26 to 5 run to actually take the lead versus nuggets but hey look the nuggets kind of are in autopilot mode and anthony edwards kind of had 40 points really getting downhill in a way that very few guards do in his size and athleticism but jamal murray won the game jamal murray put a dagger in the timberwolves heart with one tough shot make after another but there's a level of Jamal Murray's game where it's not just shot-making like many guards. It's he gets to the rim, he finishes through contact, and defensively he was making plays game transition. Yeah. His scoring aggression coinciding with Jokic's playmaking makes them one of the toughest duos to defend, not just in a pick-and-roll or a two-man action, but just in the flow of the game. Those two players are so natural in what they do best. It's very tough to say that this Nuggets offense won't score at a supreme level because what Jamal Murray has done one-on-one -on -one, off Jokic, it truly is unstoppable. And when he is making shots, there's not really something you can take off the table for a Denver team that has elite shooters and MPJ and KCP, but also these quality rich defenders and Aaron Gordon and Christian Brown, who only played seven minutes yesterday. I didn't like that. The Nuggets have everything that you need to go to the finals.
And as they've shown us versus the Clippers time in and time out, that's the worst matchup for L.A. Brand, you can laugh and giggle, but the Lakers, or sorry, the Clippers, they don't get to the rim. And that's where Jokic is the most vulnerable. He is vulnerable at the rim if you attack him and put him in foul trouble because they don't got a backup center. But now that they have bodies and Aaron Gordon, who is way better than what Jeremy Grant was defensively, and Christian Brown, plus KCP, and a healthy Michael Porter Jr., I hate to break it to you, but this Nugget team is nothing like the Clippers have seen. They ain't seen nothing like this, this Nuggets team. They've seen nothing like them. Yeah. Jokic is a million times better in the post as a scorer. And if he's a Zubats, while well, he's cooking DeAndre and right now, he can't guard He can't guard Nikola Jokic. And if they're sending doubles at Jokic as already one of the 10 worst defenses this season, I don't know if any defense can really hold them below 115 points. It's a special, special group that really is weak nowhere offensively. No, um, they, I'm, I'm enjoying every second of this Jamal Murray masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not a top 10 point guard, though, right? Well, um, I mean, there's a lot of great what I point giggled, guards. That have... What I was giggling about, okay? What I was giggling about, like a little schoolgirl, was literally a week or two ago, John and Romain were telling me how the uh, Nuggets team is completely shit without Jokic. And now all of a sudden, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, dude, you're bigging up these guys, and they're nothing like you've With never Jokic, seen. I guarantee, just I'm telling you right now, all right, when the Clippers beat the Suns, they go up against Denver, and they start winning. I'm, You're going to hear this tune change about how Jokic is by himself. He's got no help. They weren't built for this, but you just heard right now that they're built for the finals, and they got the team for, yeah, take the notes. Take the notes. Mental note taken. All right. If Jamal Murray plays poorly and Michael Porter Jr. plays poorly, then with new information... Why are they going to play poorly if they're going up against a lackluster defense, though? I'm presenting the theory that a player plays poorly. If new information is presented that oh, changes the outcome of something, then your opinion should follow suit. 100%. Right? That's what I'm saying right but now. As Jamal Murray continues to play an elite level in the playoffs, that. I will continue to shower praise on his name until he does not. I don't know why that's a big deal to you, it's but not, apparently, no, that's, not the big apparently deal. That's, that's some foreign that's concept that with new it's information, door, your opinion will change on a matter. It's unbelievable. No, that's not my big deal. It's just, we're going to, I cannot wait. This is going to be incredible. Uh, uh, real quick. So we could have this charge topic. Do you guys oh. want to talk about whether or not the NBA should take out charges? I do want to just mention this. And then you guys can comment on it. Or we you guys going to talk about my Knicks. So I'm going to. Right. We can talk about that. Talk about yeah. Um, I, I just want to say this in terms of the charges. I don't think charges should be banned, um, all the way around. I just don't and like, and I think these ones should be banned. The one under the rim. I I just think those ones are the most dangerous. Uh, we it, listen. Are you talking about when a player's up in the air? He's already off the ground, and then you step in and set your feet to take a charge, and then that player flies into you, and you fall behind the rim. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But we, what we've seen the last uh, with um with Ja, uh, Giannis, I'm I think Love. Hero. I think Hero even it happened to Hero too in the in the Bucks game too. Actually, it was Hero going for a loose ball, but Joel Embiid was a third player that guy tried taking a charge on him and he fell pretty hard. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, Hero is a loose one. I know he got injured on the loose one, but I feel like it also happened to him too, and I don't know if he got injured. I, I could be mistaken. Um, but it, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. I I just. I'm sorry, I despise those, and I just think that if you're for player safety and health, we should not wait until a player's head or skull cracks open on the floor. We shouldn't wait for that to change the rules. We should get ahead of it. 
So for me, it's just, it's all about player safety. Then we shouldn't wait for the worst case scenario to be like, Oh wait, now we really need to change the rule. Let's get ahead of it. You know, like that, that saying safety first, I'd rather be safe than sorry. That's just my case. Keep the, the charge throughout there. You know what Kyle Lowry does in the, in the open court and stuff like that. But the one, yeah, John talked where a player's up in the air and you come in and you, it, I just, I don't, I, I despise that very much because it's so dangerous, even for the player taking the charge. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't wait for a guy to fall on top, hip first or whatever onto somebody's head. Like we mm-hmm. shouldn't be waiting for this. We should be getting ahead of it and mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 no more. I agree. The charge, if it gets taken out of the game, is going to permit guys like LeBron, Zion, Giannis, and Joel Embiid to, with reckless abandon, just attack the rim with a level of maniacal intent that, hey, look, you're probably going to be a little bit out of control if there's no penalty for absolutely barreling some poor foe in the chest. Like The charge is a fundamental part of basketball to where if Zion, at the speed of a Jeep, hits me that hard, oh, wait, that's not a foul on him anymore? If he just runs no, through I me, then, then it's becoming a different sport. So you can't take out the charge, but you definitely probably should should adjust the rules to where if somebody's up in the air, they're mm-hmm. already like they're already actually in the path of jumping up. They may not be off the ground. You, you can't be then stepping in and take charge. I mean, you should – if we're going to promote player safety, that matters because, you know, two of the top 15 players are now hurt because of the charge rule. A – protect the rim, or pick the fuck out of the way. Exactly. Let them take the layup or the dunk. Exactly. And I think we won't have these issues. Yep. Let's talk about your Knicks, Justin. The Go Knicks. Ahead. Orange and blue skies. Oh, come on. Did you guys want to talk about the Knicks today, or we could talk yeah. about them Sunday? Talk the about them. Game What's going on with R.J. Barrett? Let's start with R.J. Barrett. Should, <laughs> should R.J. Barrett be benched in favor of Josh Hart, who was a minus 29 game two? Justin, look, I think R.J. Barrett's at a point where if you can't, play on the ball you got to play off of it and if you can't make a shot off the ball you're a useless player to me and i think off my experience playing basketball the best thing for a player to get right was moving him to the bench right and for a knicks team that already has these wings in quentin grimes and emmanuel quickly that are not playing well through two games either is it better to keep rj barrett in the starting lineup changing nothing where he's already been terrible or should they move him to the second unit thinking that can revitalize their spark well, add a new dynamic to the starting five with a little bit more spacing, ideally. Well, you, you know what? It, it's not a, a matter of if he's in the starting rotation or not. It's This guy can't be getting 30 minutes over guys like IQ, Grimes, and OB. Uh, even, you can even go McBride. The way that he's played, the, the guy hasn't, the guy has no crossover, no explosiveness whatsoever. I mean, he looks lazy out there on the court. Uh, his shot making, obviously, has never been consistent, but it's not even the shot making that's the problem. It's the quality of the shots that he's taken in this series. Um, they're not good. They're not good at all. They're not putting us in positions to succeed. And, mm. you know, it sucks because I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of RJ and, you know, he signed a long extension to be a, a Nick for the next coming years. I'll be honest with you. I think this might be his last year as a Nick, but probably is. every single matchup with him and Donovan Mitchell. Whether Mitchell makes the shot or not, every person is looking at that, especially Stephen A. Smith and every Nick fan out there saying, damn, we could have had that guy if we got rid of RJ. He could have been out. With Jalen Brunson. Yeah, so we could have had him. So there's a lot of pressure on RJ Barrett to really step it up, and I think that's in his mind. So I'm I'm definitely hoping that come come Friday night, 
Friday Night Knicks on MSG and on TNT that uh, RJ steps it up because, man, that's in, that's in everybody's brain. We're regretting not getting rid of youth. So I, mm. I hope this is the message out mm. there that, that is in his head. I need to step it up, not only to prove to myself that I can play on a top-tier level, but prove it to my team that it, it was worth the investment, you know, keeping me. I, because we, I, the writing's on the wall. He's not going to be a superstar. We know that. Yeah, I think we've seen, Justin, you think he lost some of that explosiveness in the offseason, maybe trained differently? Like, he had a lot of agility last year off the dribble. Is some of that shake may be gone? Can you put on too much muscle, maybe? Uh, that that could be that could be a, a thing, but also you could put on muscle and still be super athletic. It, it's not that the two can, can combine. It's not you have muscle, so you're slower. No, you can be you can have muscle and be super explosive at the same time, too. But RJ has never been explosive. So mm-hmm. that that's the thing. It's He needs to knock down his shots. But also, at the same time, uh, game two, Cleveland just out-muscled us. You know, game one, we came out. We were the more physical team. Game two, they were way more physical. And then, most mm-hmm. importantly, they knocked down their shots, and we didn't. So if we come out, if we punch them in the mouth first thing, game three, and set a statement that, yo, this is the garden. Now there's some pressure on us. We need to win in our home. There's no way uh, – I'll be honest with you. I think it's a, the next two games are a must-wins for the Knicks. We need to win these two at home. Mm, I do want to make one, one last thing. Should Julius Randle be used as a role man more? Because he hasn't, he hasn't had much success, if any – going in isolation versus Evan Mobley. He hasn't used his power too much on Evan. In order for the Knicks to win this series, they need Randall to be one of the three best players. But so far, he's been really inconsistent. And I, I think it's pretty clear as well. Jalen Brunson has no space to really operate, especially with RJ on the floor, because they're helping off of RJ and they're double-teaming Jalen. A lot of these Cavs guards. And even then, I mean, Jarius Garland, you see that possession he had switched on R.J. Barrett? He was locking up R.J. He's five inches shorter. Yep. Are the Knicks, is Tom Thibodeau specifically using Julius Randle in the wrong manner? And also, is he trying to kill him too? That's the other thing I was wondering. Playing him, uh, him and Jalen Brunson, down by 25, and more than decided, is he trying to kill his two stars? Another question I asked to both of you two, because that's one thing that he still has not quite learned from, apparently, since 2012 or 2011. I'll let you be kept. Well, no, I just he he has not learned from that. Uh, that was uh, utterly ridiculous when I saw that. Um, yeah, I, I. No, you should not be playing your players when you're down that that much, uh, late in the playoff game, and the game is basically decided. That that's that's ridiculous. It, it everybody just you know their eyes widen and they go back to the uh, uh, Chicago Bulls days and where you know you tore up Derrick Rose too much. You worked him too hard. Uh, there comes a point in time where you just, you know, say, you know what, concede the game, throw up the white flag, and and, and it's over. You, you bench your players, and you re- especially with Julius Randle, who came into the playoffs coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not worth it. No, it, it's not. But also at the same time, uh, I, I guess I that's something that Tibbs has always been doing, and I think every player that plays in the Tibbs system knows what to expect of that. I don't think those guys wanted to be off the floor anyway. Sometimes you got to get – you know, your players off and get them out of their own way. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, protect them. Yeah, you got to protect them. It, but also with how many days off in between that game? Three? They had two days yeah, off. Yeah, the two days off. So, no, I'm saying uh, how many days off between now and game three? Two more. It's a Friday. Right. Or okay. was it three? It was three, it right? Three. You know, it yeah, three. Three, yep. three days off, plenty of time to rest up and get 
uh, as healthy as you possibly can for this matchup because like i said this mm. is going to be a physical series um mm -hmm. i don't a lot of things need to change we we need to create some more movement uh randall right. can't keep doing this iso bs because it's not working at the moment uh grand for baby yeah given uh listen he played way better in game one than any of the games that he played against that atlanta hawks back in uh 2021 so there's some room for optimism hopefully uh Cleveland's not knocking down shots the way they were. And then plus the biggest thing, and I'll tell you one thing, you're not going to win a big win a basketball game. If you turn the ball over 14 times in the first half, you're not going to do that. I think our, our, on the season, we averaged 13 and a half or 14 turnovers per game. When you meet your season average in the first half of a game, you're not going to win. Most of their points came off of turnovers. So if you yeah. eliminate that, uh, credits to Karis LeVert. Uh, he, he played great defense on Jalen Brunson. I mean, I guess having a 6'6 guard guarding uh, Jalen Brunson definitely helps, but you can't turn the ball over at that rate. You got to get your offensive rebounds. You got to rebound the ball, period. And you got to out-physical those guys. I would even love to see Jericho Sims get some action just to phys out-physical guys like Jared Allen and, and Mobley. So we'll see what happens in game three, but... I'll be honest with you. I think Madison Square Garden is going to be rocking. I think the Knicks take game three. It's going to be fun. I 100% I, I agree with that. I think the Knicks are taking game three in MSG. Uh, you're right with the rebounds. I mean, not one of your Knicks had uh, double-digit rebounds. Uh, it's just not a winning uh, recipe. So, And like I said, me and John talked about it while you were here, uh, Justin, for the Cleveland to win. I didn't expect Levert to have another one for seven game, and I I don't expect him to have a, a another twenty four point per game uh, no. game, but I see somewhere in that middle is is where Karis Levert is. Like I said, he's a he's better than one for seven, and he mm. showed it. Uh, don't expect Donovan Mitchell to only take take eleven shots again or only seventeen points. I know he had thirteen assists. I think that was a career high. Uh, but don't expect that again. He's going to get it ramped up uh, uh, more. Not 30 shots like he did in the first game because that's too much. But the shots definitely, I think, for uh, Donovan Mitchell. And then Mobley, I, I called for him. You are gonna, you need Mobley to step up. I know he's young, but you're going to be called on, buddy. And you're going to have to show up offensively. And he had a good game on 6 yeah, for 11, even 13. So I, I, they, they did what they – basically everything I called for them to do, Darius Garland too. I yes. need you to be more aggressive, and I need oh. you to be able to to assist the ball more. Well, thirty two points and seven uh, seven assists. He 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 performed, and so everything I called for, they did. Uh, just don't know if you can rely on twenty four points from Karis LeVert again. If Garland continues to play as aggressive as he has, I truly think he is a in the conversation to be a top five, top seven point guard because he's one of the most complete guards in the entire sport. But in game one, he just wasn't being used on the ball enough. Now. One thing in this matchup we saw is that the Cavaliers were saying guard-on-guard screens, and they're getting advantages when the Knicks weren't communicating. So Karis LeVert would set a screen for Darius or Donovan, and then he would roll to the rim. And Mitchell Robinson, for as great of a rim protector as he is, is not going to fly all the way up to the high paint, the high 12-foot area, to then contest a shot. In order for the Knicks to win this series, because now the tide's turned a little bit, they're going to make a couple of changes. Number one, Tom Thibodeau, get your hand in the game. Two, part of that, Isaiah Hornstein needs to play more. Because what he does as a passer and a finisher with a short mid-range game, that oftentimes will be more valuable than Mitchell Robinson, who can really only grab offensive rebounds. Yeah, but he's another Tim's... one that doesn't have his hands ready on the pick and roll. Isaiah? Yeah. 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 Maybe I think maybe part of that say hasn't had a large enough role. Because he had five offensive rebounds. Like 
in 27 minutes. That's that's pretty massive. Now, here's the other thing, though. The Knicks have gotten just about nothing so far from R.J. Barrett, Quickly, and Grimes. I know Quickly had 10 points in the fourth quarter, but in the actual minutes of the game, he had two points. In order for the Knicks to win this series, those three players they would not include in the Donovan Mitchell trade, they need to get them something offensively. Because Quickly and Grimes will space the floor unlike R.J. Barrett, but if they're not making shots, at some point they won't be spacing the floor a whole lot. So if they step up, it's going to alleviate a lot of the pressure off of Jalen Brunson, who can't by himself do everything. I know they had 13 offensive rebounds, but he had a lot of pressure on him. He got yeah. to the foul line 10 times. But the third thing the third thing for the Knicks is they need a healthy Josh Hart. Right, He was doubtful coming to the game. He played 27 minutes off the bench. and He finished with four rebounds in 27 minutes. That's not like him. Mm-hmm. Josh Hart is a lot better than what he showed us. And if he's not healthy, then that bench element you've had for the second half of the season, that's gone. Yeah, the, I, I think that's the most special thing about this next team was uh, we relied so much on our depth. And right now our depth hasn't showed. It seems like IQ has looked afraid of the moment uh, a little bit through these first two games. Uh, and I'm hoping... You know, you get back home, maybe they're, they're a little bit more rejuvenated because I want yeah. to see. I think Quentin Grimes has, has all the ability in the world to to put up fifteen plus points and, and, and shoot the lights out. IQ, we saw we've seen it time and time again that he can take over a game. He has these spurts where uh, he, he looks absolutely unstoppable, and, and Josh Hart is just uh, pretty much the heartbeat of that second unit. Whenever he steps on the nice floor, pun. yeah, so. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Nice. But um, so I, I'm just hoping the depth comes alive. If Randall plays on that game one level, I'm not asking for anything too crazy. First quarter. Yeah, I'm not asking for anything too crazy. And Brunson stays – is Brunson. Just, guys, don't turn the ball over, man, because we're, we're going to lose the game. If we have the gym. that much, man. Here's, They're not good enough to be turned over like that. They're not good enough in the half court. Because I, I, after game one, I said I underestimated the Knicks bench. So – I still think you guys still have the bench depth. I think your bench is still, honestly, light years better than, than Cleveland's bench. Um, I think uh, I do – you hit on it uh, coming back home. Uh, I think we all know role players play better at home. Uh, so I expect quickly uh, Grimes, these guys, top in to have better games at home. And I think that you do win game three. Uh, I, I, had, I have Cleveland in seven. Uh, but like I said, I could easily see New York winning this uh, as well. So it's going to be a tough fought series. It's going to go back and forth. But I do believe Nick, uh, Knicks uh, take game three back in MSG. And it's going to be tough for game four, too, for Cleveland to win. Because I think that atmosphere is, especially if they win game three, like I predict, game four is going to be even tougher because, you know, they're going to feel even more oh, yeah. pressure on them. I think James Harden is going to be established as a playoff rod this year. Let me repeat that. You know what? Let's this is the year where we say that James Harden is not going to win a championship. The two games versus the Nets, he's made a total of two two-point makes. Now, in game one, they made a million threes because they're helping off their shooters to double-team and triple-team Embiid. But I just had this feeling with the Sixers. For as great as Joel Embiid is and for as good of a regular season team as they are with Doc Rivers, I know after watching James Harden the last three years – this year exclusively, he can't get to the rim. He cannot score inside the arc. He's already a poor transition defender. And the way Phillies looked against the Nets has been built off their best shooting, the best shooting team by efficiency metrics, highest efficiency this year. 
But the Sixers, to me, are, are truly the, the girlfriend that she never changes. And every time you fall for her, she is going to burn you. And I know a James Harden, he is that girl. He is the one that's never going to change. And so for as long as he can't get to the rim and he's reliant on three-point mix, he is going to be unreliable and a Game 1 merchant. John. A Game 1 merchant is not winning an NBA championship. John. Not to me. Remember, in Game 7s, James Harden first career is shooting either 37 or 40%. I forget the number, but he just doesn't get the foul in as much. And when you're not getting to those pressure points and you're not making shots in those spots of the floor where you're used to getting the benefit of the whistle, then, you know, shit hits the fan. Yeah. John, that, uh, that analogy cut deep for me. Um, but, yeah, it, it, this isn't something that we're coming to a realization. I've known this for years. I tried to tell you a couple years ago. Yeah, you want to hear it. Um, th I guess this is your epiphany moment for James Harden. I don't know what took you so long. No, I've always been here. I just think you underrated him for that 2018 run, which they should have went to the finals in 2018. Is that the one where Chris Paul got injured? Yes. And Trevor Reason missed all total shots in Game 7. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and James Harden also played like dog shit. Well, I mean, his role players weren't playing well on the road. So. You're a superstar. We expect you to play better, too. You don't. He does not get absolved from this. He, he still should have a good game, too. It doesn't. I don't. Um, But, yeah. We've known this. Want to talk about some foosball? Jalen Hurts secured himself generational wealth. We're talking an extension worth five years of $255 million. $179 guaranteed. A quarter of a billion for the next five years was guaranteed to Jalen Hurts. And it's funny to me, just four years ago, Carson Wentz was being given the biggest extension, the biggest contract in NFL history for a quarterback. Four years, $148 million, within a, a year already on his deal. I mean, the highest-paid quarterback in the league out of Russell Wilson. The Eagles saw how that went with Wentz it, after 2020. So right as the contract started, hit the fan pretty quickly. But they escaped that and found a quarterback in Jalen Hurts that has an intangible Carson Wentz never did. He has the same physical tools, albeit two inches shorter. But with Jalen Hurts, there is a drive. A competitive stamina and a, a level of failure that, that that's created an MVP. I like to think that failure often drives people more than success. The fear of failing. And for him to get benched at Alabama in the national championship game, transferring to Oklahoma, buying in and getting accepted as a leader for two different elite programs. Something he talked about in his pre-draft interview that went viral. There is... An energy, not an aura, but a leadership and an intangible to Jalen Hurts that makes him worth every penny they just spent. Because when he ages and he's not this elite, superb athlete at 30 years old like a, a Cam Newton, right, as you get to that age, I still think he's going to be the absolute perfect face of the Philadelphia Eagles because he represents everything that they strive to have in a quarterback. Uh, I think he is the perfect leader to have. And as a football fan... I wanted the Steelers to take this guy. I was praying they took him. And my brother Joe told me, fucking idiot, it's running back. I'm like, okay, we'll see. And he was a running back coming out of college. He was not much of a thrower of the football. Since that Heisman caliber season, what has he done? Gotten better and better. And his third season, he was the runner-up to Patrick Mahomes. He went to the Super Bowl and arguably outplayed Mahomes. I mean, man, this was so awesome to see him get paid. 
Yeah, it's it's good for Philly jumping on that. We we spoke about this contract extension earlier in the season about what Philly should do here, and the key was pay him early, pay him early because these contracts are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, the guy proved to you already that he's a franchise guy, leading you to the Super Bowl, plays away from winning you a Super Bowl. Um, I would say if if the Super Bowl MVP didn't go to just the winner, he 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 won it. He showed out in that game and. We know what Jalen Hurts is. He's an absolute dog. And, John, you hit the nail on the head when you said, uh, you know, it's, it's that competitive fire that he brings. You know, you know you're know, driven by failure. You're driven by your losses. And he goes out there day in and day out, and he shows you that he belongs in this league. He belongs as the number one. There's no debate anymore about whether or not he's the guy in Philadelphia. And rightfully so, he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, shout out Jalen Hurts, shout out the agent. Um, I think it's actually the first ever black woman to uh, ink a deal for a quarterback, or or uh, I forget what that was, but shout out to both of them. Um, listen, I, I'm I've I've you know I, I was the one who was more down on Jalen Hurts coming the season that I didn't believe he was a very um, consistent thrower of the football at a high level. I know he's made he made strides uh, not last year but the year before, and he's obviously made. Uh, more, uh, more incredible strides this year. Uh, I still am. Uh, I'm not hesitant, but I would. Ju- I just want to see it again. I want to see another year of this, him doing it at the highest level, and see if uh, he can continue it. Uh, and and I have no qualms with him getting getting this contract. It's well earned, well deserved. I, I I I one question is. I mean, now the quarterback's paid. Let's see if they can keep this team together going forward. Uh, and if they're not, which I'm ha- kind of predicting that they're not going to be able to keep this level of talent that they have around them, uh, we'll see if Jalen Hurts is still being able to play at that at this uh, elite level. But I think the biggest thing about this contract is uh, how it affects the Lamar situation. Because, uh, listen, I think the Ravens even have a better case now of saying, Lamar, um, the DeAndre, uh, not DeAndre, uh, Deshaun Watson contract is is the outlier here. I mean, look at Kyler Murray. Look at Jalen Hurts. One eighty four guaranteed, one seventy nine guaranteed. Ian Rappaport just reported, I think, right when this contract was signed from for Jalen Hurts, that there was a, a, a I, I guess um, a two hundred million dollar guaranteed contract for Lamar. Now I don't know if that was a a re-report from the report that Schefter had back in September where he said there was a contract where basically it could get up to $200 million guaranteed. I don't know if that's the same contract or if it's a new contract. But the, uh, Lamar, it's, it's – and I, I heard reports, I guess, that Lamar said, go sign Hopkins and OBJ, then we can talk. Uh, and the Ravens said, well, we, we, we can get one of them, but we can't get both of them. And they went out and they got OBJ. So I just think Lamar is coming back to Baltimore. Uh, I don't know what the contract situation is going to be out there. I think he's going to be able to get 175, uh, 180 at least guaranteed. Uh, but yeah, I just think it means more for the Lamar situation, how it impacts that. Also, I, I don't think people realize this. The Jalen Hurts extension does not prohibit the Eagles. Well, he just became the highest paid quarterback in APY average you know, percentage per year. He's only making $6 million this year in 2023. Next year, his cap hit is just $13 million. On the first year of his contract, that's going to make him an eagle of 2028. He's making just $13 million in his cap hit. That's all it affects. His third year in 2025, this is going to be his sixth year in the league. 
he's only going to be making 20, his cap he'll be 21 million. It's not until he back into that deal where he'll be making upwards so a lot more in that hit. And it's also not fully guaranteed contract either. So unlike the Deshaun Watson deal where there's no void years to extend the contract and then kind of back out of it, with this Hurts deal, man, it extends their championship window and elongates it in a way, stretches it where not too many quarterbacks can. So this was another Howie Roseman masterclass, truly. Uh, I'm very impressed with him and his ability to not only hire the right people to make the right trades, though they weren't the best drafting team the last couple of years, but also move off players at the right time and pick and choose what quarterback you want to build around. He moved off Carson Wentz and he got a second round day two pick. It's pretty good. Pretty good for a quarterback that since then has fallen off a cliff. And then you turn a second round pick and Jalen Hurts into arguably top seven quarterback, top five quarterback. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles next year are going to have my early Super Bowl pick because it's about the same team minus Javon Hargrave and um, Isaac Samuel. All the, I mean, their offense line is going to be insane. They don't need a running back. They'll find one in the fourth round. So pretty excited. Also, I want to ask you this question before we end this off. A lot of people have been asking, we're going to have a topic, how many quarterbacks will go on day one. The NFL draft is next week on Thursday. So wait, is it this time next week on the 27th? Yeah. That's big time. One week away from the draft. I don't even remember because they got the NFL playoffs. Do you want to do the how many quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round topic now? Or would you rather do who is the most deserving first overall pick? Because people keep talking about it. I think it's so clearly Bryce Young. I think uh, we can save the uh, save uh, quarterbacks going in the first round for Sunday if you okay. want. Yeah, I just want to say this. That's Bryce Young is so clearly the first overall pick in this draft. And the more you look at his tape, Bryce Young is unlike any other Alabama quarterback. He is the only one that didn't have an elite supporting cast. Once Jamison Williams and John Meechie went to the NFL, he didn't have an NFL wide receiver. And the fact that people are surprised that like, there's rumors, there's more reports that he would go number one over C.J. Stroud, and he's crazy. Because C.J. Stroud had five first-round receivers. We talked about this, but, man, I'm watching a little bit a little bit more of Bryce Young, and without a supporting cast that was quite good on offense, the guy overcame all of that with an intangible trait that the NFL translates. An ability to extend maneuver in the pocket with a pocket presence in a field that maybe overcomes his size to the next level. And, uh... Just watching some more of his tape and kind of analyzing C.J. Stroud some, I've come to the conclusion that passing on Bryce Young for C.J. Stroud will be the wrong decision in this year's draft class. C.J. Stroud and he's Dak Prescott. He reminds me a lot of that. Like He's a really good pocket passer, but he's not this elite-level improviser, and that's what makes great quarterbacks. Great. You know, being able to throw from the pocket's amazing, but unless you're Tom Brady or Joe Burrow and you maximize that to the fullest degree with pretty much maximum pocket presence and i don't think cj stroud quite has that he had such a good offensive line you're not going to be the next burrow and i think stroud is a lot closer to a dak where he can run but he's just out of the pocket not that guy and very soon to me is him so i want to end off on that statement yeah i just i, I just I'm, I'm shocked that Bro- the only reason i'm shocked that bryce young is uh possibly going number one is because when the panthers made the trade a bunch of reports came out and the, the betting odds even for C.J. Stroud going yeah. number one shot through the roof. I mean, there was the right. video that I even referenced of Josh McCowan basically saying to, to C.J. Stroud calling on tape, like, you know, we'll, we'll play more ball when you're in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that that's my only shocker. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe the Panthers are, you know, just keeping everybody on their toes and uh, uh, 
I, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I'll tell you one thing. If CJ Stroud's not in Carolina, I don't think he's the number two pick either then. I think a rich pick for Houston. So. Yeah. Well, Houston's looking like they might trade back too. So they should. Of, there could be a lot of movement on the day of the draft or yep. this next week. So we're, we're going to see. Um, Watch out for the Titans. I think the Titans are taking yeah, a quarterback. Right. My hot take for the draft, the Titans are taking a quarterback in the Texans' arm. That's my hot take. Mm-hmm. The Titans are rumored to move up from 11 to the top five, and I think it makes a lot of sense for them. All that being said, I'll wrap up episode wait, number 95. Wait, wait. I want. I have a trivia for you guys. Oh, I have a trivia too if you guys Good. want to play a little Let's bit. Let's do a trivia. Justin's you want to go, go first, Brandon? Go Okay. I have one for each of you guys. Um, okay, so trivia's so then, done well. I didn't realize the trivia's do very well. Okay, okay, Justin goes first. All right, because yeah. I, I saw this one uh, pop up on TV, and, and I don't think any of you guys would, would have been paying attention to it. I'm going to pull up the question right now. Can you guys still see me or am I paused? I can see you. I can see you. Okay, perfect. Yep. All right. Why'd you say All right. <laughs> Which player has LeBron James played the most games against in the playoffs? He had to go to a deep enough series, so it's definitely not DeMar DeRozan. Those weren't deep. I'm giving you each one guess. Okay, so the first name that comes to mind. I feel like Steph maybe, but no. Steph Curry, Paul George. Maybe. Paul George is out by 2017. No. Steph Curry, he played. Uh... Oh, I bet you it's not even a star player, though. What a good amount of games against. It's a good guess, Brandon. It's not a star player. Not a star player. Oh, so Justin, this was a role player. Yeah. This player, Justin, is Al Horford. John, you are out of guesses. You are wrong. <laughs> um, ah. Okay. Let's let's think. Let's go into the bag. Al Horford made so much sense from his Atlanta to Boston days, man. Who did he play a lot against? Um... Well, this is a role player. Brandon. So, can I help, Brandon? I'll, I'll give you the exact number of games. 31. Give us it. Oh, I feel like it could be Steph Curry, but he only played him four times in the finals. One of those series was a sweep. The other was five games. That's nine. Yeah, so, that's 16 games, plus he only played 21 playoff games for Steph, John. Come on. Come on, bud. It's all, I don't think it's anybody from Boston. Chicago, maybe. Chicago, maybe. But Chicago in his later years. Think, consider Kyle Korver from his days in Chicago it's, to Atlanta. He Atlanta. Played, right? But then he it. went to went with LeBron. Right. Right. I forget. <laughs> All right. I'll give a hint. This guy played. He was the number one on a team in the Eastern Conference for a short time. Brandon, I would advise you to guess. And has since been a role player in the world. All right, is he playing? Oh, cur- he's still he's in playing, the league. He's playing currently. Just that's not going to help. I just uh, I've got no. I just still, okay. still in the league. So he was a number one for a short stint, and now he's not. Now he's a role player who has gone from there to there. It's not. Not going to be a Detroit Piston or a Boston Celtic from 2008. He's been a role player now for quite a long time, I'd say. Dwight Howard's out the league. Um... Yeah, but he wasn't a one for a short period of time. He was a yeah, it's five years. Um, 
This guy's been in the league since I believe 2000. I'm going to give it away if I say it. I literally I'm have no name in my head, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm Really? I'm, yeah. I mean, I could say names, but I just don't think they're right. I'll let you guys, John, you're back in. I'll let you start throwing in names. All right, or let me know when you wave the white flag. Give us a decent hint. I don't got all day. I gave you a decent hint. The guy was a, a, a one for a very short period of time for a team in the Eastern Conference. Has since then been a role player. Is a multiple-time champion. Not as a one. It's not Kyle Lowry. You're right, Brandon. He did play for Golden State. Oh, okay. So who was who was? Iggy? Oh, it's David West. What'd you say, Brandon? It's not David West. Is it Iguodala? Correct, Iguodala. But I'm taking Iguodala. <laughs> Let's go. How? 31. I, oh, the final because, shit. Because you got to also uh, take in his early year, because he played a long time yep. in the league since 04. Yep. 04. 04. 04, 05 was, was for his rookie year in Philly. No way. All right, so he played him in the NBA Finals in 2020, and uh, he played him, obviously, all four years. So he played him five times in the Finals. That was an easy one, Justin. I, I should have gotten that shit. I'm surprised he didn't. I guessed Al Horford, but he played on the Hawks and the Celtics for two years. My first thought when I first saw the question, too, was DeRozan. And then yeah. uh, then I also thought those series didn't last long enough. Yeah. 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 All right, All right Justin. Um, I'm not going to go the full list because there's 20 players, and that might take forever. Um, so there's something in baseball, right? Is John involved with this? John, John is a... No, this is a baseball question. So something. Um, this is something known as a perfect game, right? Mm. Oh, then this is a tough list. But but I'm gonna shorten it for you to make it a little bit easier. Uh, from '99 and on, so there's only eight players that have done it from '99 and on. I'm gonna shorten it for you. Is Roy Halladay one? Roy Halladay, yes. Uh, he is 2010. Went to Philly against the Marlins, I believe. Um, yeah. Justin Verlander hasn't thrown a perfect game. It's just been no hitters. Ver Verlander's not on that list. Damn, this is tough. Roy. Randy Johnson. Yes, 2004. Okay. No Yankee has thrown a perfect game, I'll tell you that much. Um, um, what team did uh, Randy Johnson play for? What, when he threw the perfect game? Yeah. Arizona? Okay. Um, you're wrong on the Yankee. There is somebody that has thrown it in 1999, July 18th. Oh, oh David Cohn. Okay. Okay, David yep. Cohn. Um, you got 09. Left, you've got another one in 2010. Dallas Braden in 09. Dallas Braden. Okay, that was on Mother's Day. Yeah, May 9th. You got a person in 2012, 2 and 12, no, 3 and 12. 
Three perfect. The last three were 2012. Felix Fernandez. Felix Fernandez is one. I'm not going to give you any more hints. So you got two more in 2012. You got one in 09. And that's it. So 09 and two in 2012. Felix Fernandez. No Did Adam Wainwright, is he on that? No. No, Clayton Kershaw? No. Wainwright's not on that? Or Chris Carpenter? Carpenter. No, no Chris Carpenter. No Wainwright either. Johan Santana threw a no-hitter. That's not a... Oh. John, I might need some help. We talked about one at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, I think. We talked about him? Yeah, Is David Wells on that? Um, David Wells was 99, so 98. So oh, maybe not. Oh, no, he's on here. Yeah, 09. And yeah, just we have to get this one. We talked about USC. All right, at USC. Um, CSB. Is he a former Yankee? No. no former New Yorker. He's a former New Yorker. Come on, Steve. Is he? Just the lack of preparation. <laughs> How am I supposed to prepare for an on-the-spot trivia? Damn, a New Yorker. Nah, that's gonna yep. that's gonna drive me off the walls. Can I get a team? All right, two two of the players left played for the Chicago White Sox when they did this. Two of them. Two of them. Is Mark, Mark Burley on the list? Mark Burley, yes. He's 09. One of these guys playing L.A. And he played for the White Sox when they won. Uh, the White, White Sox sucked back then, so I, I, I'm trying to... You got two left, and they're both in 2012. And both White Sox? One of them played for the White Sox. The other one you got, Mark uh, Burley. Mark Burley. Damn, I'm having a hard time remembering that, that rotation. I feel like it's a nobody. I couldn't tell you if they're nobody or not. John, is it a nobody? No? All right, I, I'm waving it on that one. Waving it? All right, the last two are Philip Humber. A nobody. Okay. Yep. And Matt Kane, San Francisco. Matt Kane. Wow. Matt. I forgot about Matt Kane. Yes, sir. Damn. Did you say Sandy Koufax? This was 99. Sandy Koufax is a long time ago, yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh. yeah. We would have been My here fault. all day if I said World Series. My fault. Era. I missed that filter. Okay. Brian, I've got a question for you. Okay. So this is a, a very quick one, right? It's it's actually specific numbers. Maybe it's too specific. Who is the Aldo? Who ranks your top 10 list? Number... What'd you say? Well, I didn't hear where'd, it. Where'd Jose Aldo rank your top 10 for you? Uh, Jose Aldo, and I got, a, I got a shit from somebody on the comments saying, he pronounced the J. It's Jose Aldo, okay? Um, I think How it's pronounced? pronounced? Huh? How's it pronounced, Jose Aldo? It's Jose Aldo. I said okay. Jose, and I guess. Oh, okay. Get upset. I, I don't know. Um, I have him number seven. Okay. So, Jose Aldo. It's all right. It's fine. Say it how you want to say it. Don't let me. <laughs> uh, number seven of B-Caps. Uh, mixed martial artist top 10, Jose Aldo, mm. had a 10-year streak ended by Conor McGregor. Okay. How many seconds did it take Conor? 
I'll give you a hint. The number is lower. Seconds. How many? 13 seconds. 13 seconds is correct. Uh, that was a pretty quick one. I'll see if I can find another one. How old was John Bones Jones, the GOAT, when he became a UFC champion? Two numbers, Papa, 21. 21. Nope. Not far off. Yeah, I either was thinking it could be 20. I mean, it's either one or the other two. 22. 23. Okay, I was going to say that. (laughs) Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um. That's it? Just about, yeah. Okay, I could give you one, John, if you want to you know, join in on the fun. Let's do it. About your Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's do it. Let's go. Somebody who you believe is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, you want to talk about all those touchdowns he threw in his career. Um, there's a big list, so I'm going to shorten it for you. I think there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, that's a lot more than I thought. Um, let's go double digits then. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay. Double digit touchdowns. So ten or more touchdowns. Can you name the list of players that caught ten or more touchdowns from Ben Roethlisberger? Oh yeah, I can. Number okay. one, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown with seventy two. Number two. I'm gonna go with Antonio Holmes. Super Bowl. Antonio Holmes caught seventeen touchdowns. Only seventeen. Okay. Wait, what's the question? Number three? It's a ten, ten. Who? Keith Miller. <laughs> who caught? It's who caught ten or more touchdowns oh, okay. from Roethlisberger over his career? Because if we don't, Keith Miller, forty-one touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, I should have known longevity. Uh, Plaxico Burris, four. Plaxico Burris, no, only six. Oh. Only six. Okay, because they only had one. It's weird because Plaxico was drafted only two years before Ben. All right, no Plaxico is disappointing. Heinz Ward is an easy one, John. Come on, how do you name yeah, Heinz Ward? How do I name Plaxico before Heinz Ward? Where? I don't know. First, how many does Heinz have? Heinz has 41, tied with Miller. Are they in second place? Yeah, they're tied for second. Okay, so we've got Heath and Heinz, Antonio, plus San Antonio, two legends. Oh, my God. Make him reminisce. At number five, your boy's going with – there's 11 players here. Okay. Martinez Bryant goes in my mind. Martinez is up there for sure. Martavis Bryant caught 14. Yeah, six. I like Marcus Wheaton's name that comes up. Hmm. I'm thinking of like all these random receivers like Eli Rogers in my day. Oh, Juju Smith-Schuster, it's easy. Juju is up there. Is he on there? 19. 19? Yeah, it makes sense. That's six, correct? Uh, Six or seven, yeah. Okay. Outside of Juju, who else do we... I'm thinking of like the 2010s. I need to think of the early 2000s. You got six left. Uh, Antoine Randallow? Antoine Randallow. No, three touchdowns only. Cedric Wilson? Cedric Wilson. Where are you? It's not on there. Um, no, he's not on there. Nope. Okay. I don't think he caught one. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon only caught seven. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I take a guess with Le'Veon. All right, so one forget- guy that's going to be tough for you. The other guys are known people I'm, that you should know. I'm forgetting some people. You are. I mean, just think about it. Like these are people known. Jericho Cotre. Jericho Cotre, you got number. Tw- uh, he's got twelve. That makes sense. I'm surprised Jericho is on there, but uh, Marcus Wheaton will put his name up. Marcus Wheaton. Where are you? 
No. Not on there. No. I got a name. I got a name in mind, but I don't want to help. I don't even know if I'm yeah, right. Don't help me. So, Brennan, am I at seven or eight? While well, he figures that out for my next answer. Okay, so this is actually kind of tough for me. Got five left. I've got five left. When Ben first came into the league, I'm just checking Marcus Ween's football reference. I'm kind of shocked he didn't catch ten. I he, oh, he only caught eight for his career. I'm thinking of the mid 2000s Steelers teams where Ben was. Not slinging out the way he did in the 2010s. Oh, wow. And I'm just drawing a blank after Hines, Santonio. Oh, my. How the f- Mike Wallace. I am yes. so sorry, Mike. Nine touchdowns. Mike. Wait, he has more than. So he's in second, right? He's how ahead many? of. How many? 29. Wow. He's got, he's oh, I thought you said 49. How did I forget Mike Wallace? That was so disrespectful. I forgot about once we got Antonio oh, Brown. But yeah, Mike Wallace is an easy one. Oh, I mean, well, Sanders is easy money, too. Emmanuel. That's who I, was I, I forgot. SMU legends. Those two are easy. Okay. So if it wasn't Marcus Wheaton, that's the cutoff point because he was Mr. Solid for two years there. No Eli Rogers then. Uh-uh. All right. So no running back on this list. There's no Lazy on Three people left. No Willie Parker. No Jerome uh, Bettis. Pickle. Two you should freaking. I mean, I can't believe you haven't said two of them already. One's going to be a little difficult. Okay, so I got three left. Uh, oh, uh, Deontay Johnson's easy. Yes, yes. No, I'm so good. surprised you didn't say that. He didn't earlier. say that. Yeah, that's easy. More. They had they had a special connection together. It's a shame that Ben was a little younger. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is ten. Uh, okay, he's got Kenny ten. Poole. Last person. This is kitty. the hardest one. Okay, so this is like the the late two. Oh, Nate Washington. Nate Washington. Oh wow, nice. There you um, go, John. Uh, no, I'm a little bit disappointed. It took me like five minutes to, to remember Mike Wallace played for the Steelers. <laughs> but his peak was special, man. Speed of what? Uh, speed of Mike. I forgot about Nate because he left and then went to Tennessee and became the thousand yard guy. But yep. he was really good back in the day. So, yeah, that's all 11. That's it. By the way, he's a two time Super Bowl champ with the, with the uh, Steelers and not, not the Patriots. He played for the Patriots one year, I think. Nate Washington? Yep. At the end of his career in 2000, yeah, I think. Late, 15, I think 16. But yeah, he went to Tennessee and was a stun in 2011. But they were wow. just uh, we not a playoff team. They are pretty good. So yeah, that's, that's everything. I like that trivia question a lot. Thank you. Uh, with all that being said, I'll wrap up episode number 95 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Torelli, Brandon Capazzello, and Justin Ryan. As always, until next time. Thank you. UConn! UConn!